0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey. John boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now.
2: Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid.
1: And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the maniac. Touchdown, I N D Y. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, oh the a double time. Miles Turner. Yeah.
2: Wow. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so
1: many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. Hey, what's up?
3: Good Monday, It's kind of weird outside right now. It's like uh, April, late April out there. Not really June where we need to be heat-wise, sunshine-wise, but we'll get through it later on this week. The weather's going to be fantastic. I will not only tell you, but remind you about a golf outing that is coming up that you absolutely positively have to be a part of. I know you've been a part of my golf outings in the past. Uh, this one is going to be different, and both Jake and Kevin will be in here too. It's going to be awesome. At the back nine, And if you've ever been to the back nine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a fantastic place. Shout out to Danny Hayes. But I will let you know how you can get your group together for a great cause and then join us. Because, you know, wherever we show up, uh, if I'm involved, there's going to be a party involved. Um, Otherwise, then it's probably deemed too boring to take part in and they don't do it. But no, this is going to be it. A great cause. And I promise you guys will love it. I'll give you the full details coming up. A little bit later on, I was kind of thinking about where to start as far as the sports weekend is concerned, I should say. There's still no no new news as far as uh, the situation with the Colts is concerned. Um, I don't know if I expected it or not with Isaiah Rodgers, but nothing new that transpired over the weekend. You had some fun stuff occur. And you had some not so great stuff occur. Now I will say this because I was all in on Indiana State. I was bummed that they went out two zip on the road in TCU. But when I look back at when we first recognized this amazing run of a season and what that transformed into a super regional type of run, I am fine with it. Not with losing, not with bowing out in that fashion, but it was a spectacular season nonetheless. I'm going to tell you what, college baseball has been great. Normally is, but has been great. Now, a lot of you have mentioned this. Uh, You know what? Had they been able to host, this wouldn't have happened. I disagree. I think that would have happened, at least from what I watched. From what I watched and what I gathered, my thought is, and could you always get momentum from those behind you at home? Make no mistake about that. That is true. But it looked to me like that TCU was the better team, the clearly better team in this case. That's what it looked like to me. And believe me, I don't want to say it. It doesn't hurt me to say it because it's the truth. Or at least from what I gather, what I saw, what I witnessed, it's the truth. Now, you wish they would have gone to a decisive game, number three. But it has been a great ride anyway. And to me, I don't know how much, how much at all the change in venue had that being Terre Hold instead of Fort Worth would have been drastically different. You know, Indiana State hung in there, especially in that second game, got out to a two nothing advantage, and then that second game hung in. But TCU just seemed to be like if you're watching via YouTube live right now, up here and in Indiana State's kind of right here. Oral Roberts being in is pretty funny, though going out to Eugene, Oregon, and punching their ticket in a third and decisive game was pretty cool. But now, nah, overall, great run by Indiana State. And let me tell you this, the college basketball, or check that, college baseball spring has been spectacular. Now, I will say this, Nick, that was not a jinx on me. No, nah, we, we out, the jinx would have occurred against Wright State. And I know you're just joking. But I do, I recognize me being a jinx. I recognize me being a schlep rock sometimes. You know, I understand when it occurs. And I told you in that Wright State game, had it occurred in that leadoff game in the regional they were hosting, that would have been all about me. That would have been all about me having the coach on the show before that game and completely foobarring the works. Nah, but this was different. This was different because this was just TCU being better. And sometimes you just got to recognize that. And I, I know that for whatever reason, we're oftentimes just looking for excuses, right? to make excuses how often Here's the reason why, because I can't fill three hours, right? Or they can't fill the hour that they have on all these morning yip-yap shows. They can't fill that segment with, well, you know, this team is just better. I'll give me a great example. I mean, now you go to Denver and Miami. And again, I have no love for Miami, but I have love watching them play in this postseason. And the way that they are getting torn apart by Denver really doesn't change it. Now, all of a sudden, the way that they're playing is egregious. I mean, Strews not giving them anything. Vincent not giving them anything the other night. That's egregious. I mean, no, it, it just happens against a good team. We are finding that out. There are no excuses. It's not on the head coach. Denver just has looked, especially in those last two in Miami, they just look stratospherically better than the Heat. But you know what? You can't fill up 90 minutes of bullcrap yapping on saying that, even though that's the truth. And everybody says, well, that's what we're striving for. we got to listen to somebody. I've got to read somebody that tells the truth. Well, we're telling the truth right now. Denver has been just that much better. What Miami had done up until this point has been fantastic. But clearly it was a shelf life between a Boston team that can be a little schizophrenic, a little bit weird, a Milwaukee team that clearly had had lost its way and in the process, they have provided—they have provided a great deal of enjoyable basketball for us. Think about this for a moment, too. Think about what would we'll be left with without Miami. Miami, when you think about it, and again, I hate it because I can't stand them, but I do recognize enjoyable basketball. It's like when I sit and watch stuff; I know what I'm watching. I don't need to be told by some coach or some former coach or any crap like that. I know what I'm watching. I feel confident that I know what I'm watching. And this has been, for a basketball fan like me and others, incredibly enjoyable. And as it stands, without a last-ditch type of effort coming up later on tonight, the NBA season is going to be complete. And honestly, it has been lackluster in the finals but it still doesn't weigh down how enjoyable especially when you don't have a rooting interest we don't now we've gotten used to that around here and that's why things have to change i mean some of you want things to like wait until the next 10 years or so you're gonna give me more of these assets until i just fall over and pass out from assets Some of you clearly are cool with waiting forever. I, on the other hand, am not. Just me. You don't know that they're going to be meddling if they give it a good old-fashioned established player try with already these assets built up. You don't know they're going to be meddling. You don't know anything. You had no idea that they were going to play and be as enjoyable to watch this year as it turned out to be. Some of you are just cool with going ahead and starting this rebuild. That's fine. No, I didn't take away finals doesn't take away from what has been a very enjoyable NBA postseason, even if you didn't have a rooting interest. A direct rooting interest. And that's that's most of you out there. I know it becomes very easy. Well, you know, it's the NBA and I just don't watch. Well, you know what? You miss out on a lot then you do. You miss out on these dudes that are incredibly athletic, incredibly gifted, (laughs) play basketball, something that I'm assuming all of us love. Hopefully, you love it as much as I do. And you're missing out on a lot. Yeah, it's better than going to Center Grove on a Tuesday night and watching me and a group of dudes play. I can guarantee you that. I love it, but it's much better. And you have missed out. So that, to me, does not weigh it down. doesn't weigh it down whatsoever. And if it comes to an end, like it looks like it will coming up later on tonight, I mean, you get guys screaming at you about, oh, my goodness, I just can't believe what Miami's doing. Well, why can't you believe it? Because Denver's really good. And give Miami credit for getting to where they got. I mean, to me, they pieced it together. And they did something that is all too unfamiliar in the NBA. They did it without all these, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and flip the script and bring all these high-dollar guys in. You gotta have, you know, three incredibly elite players. They got to the finals with a guy that's really good in the postseason, with a really good player and a bunch of dudes. I think it's fun when a bunch of dudes win. You want you wanna know why. You will enjoy a bunch of dudes winning because you are a bunch of dudes. You guys are a bunch of dudes. You look in the mirror and you see somebody, singularly speaking, that has been a part of a bunch of dudes. You like it. You like it because you've been a part of it on a lower level, a much lower level. But you've been a part of it. But to me, I'm just kind of watching Miami, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I watch them the way that they play. You know, why do you got to wait like eight more years? What do the Pacer people want us to wait more years? I'm not talking about the Pacers down the street here. I'm just talking about some of those that cover them. I'm going to be around here until I'm like 70 waiting on this thing, and I don't want to be. Time is of the essence, and I don't mind. I, it's like with this Colts team. I don't care if this thing's expedited. Good. I mean, how long have you been told that greatness looms? You know what? If you get your ticket, the greatness is going to be there. And it has been a big boatload of bullcrap so far. So hopefully the rookie quarterback is good. But honestly, I don't care who's good as long as even with this schedule. You know, people talk about the schedule. "Ah, There's nothing really to watch. Why do I want to go? Yeah, boring teams. Well, I mean, it is a schedule that would be conducive for the Colts to at least, you would think, to be competitive. If they played a better schedule, if you saw all these great teams that you want to see, then they're probably going to win four games again. But there's more of an opportunity coming up this year because of the way that their schedule looks. See, sometimes we get lost in it, don't we? And with the Colts... Listen, I'll give you leverage on that one because they've been telling you, and it's them. They have been telling you for a long time how good they expect to be, and that has not happened. You are owed that. I say that all the time. You are owed. You know they owe you. They like this year. If this season were to be surprising again, I'm not suggesting it's going to be. They they owe that to you. They do. They owe that to you. So that part would be great. But I don't. Always sitting around and having to wait on something. I don't necessarily believe it always having to be that way. Miami would be that type of team. You know, even if they did go to the championship game just three years ago in the bubble, the bubble was really weird. But when you think about it, you got a couple of stars and you got a blank ton of free agents. Undrafted free agents. So why not? And I hate to sit around and always talk about the, well, you know what, if, and, and the close and their building, but that's kind of where you are. Even with a team that I directly root for, it has been much more enjoyable, not just in the last week, but especially in the last week with Ellie De La Cruz being up with the Reds. It's been enjoyable. You know what else is happening too? It's weird. When you get somebody up there like that, and then you win some games, you piece some wins together, it's weird. Like nationally, ESPN will care about you. Now, between showing Boston and Yankee games like every day, they'll all of a sudden start to care about you. They'll all of a sudden start to care about the team that you care about. It's a big deal. That's why we're so necessary around here. I mean, without us, who in the world cares about the Colts? Who in the world cares about the Pacers? Yeah, especially when something's not going on. You know, the, the world may zoom in for a moment like it did last week of sports on Isaiah Rogers and knuckleheadery. But you either have to be consistently special, which we have seen around here before with the Manning era. Or you have to be surprisingly fun to watch or you have to have a defining type of player. You know, otherwise, we're the only ones that's ever going to talk about you around here because nobody else cares about you the way that we do. It's why we're essential. It's why we're necessary. That said, you look at Ellie De La Cruz, and all of a sudden in the last week, the spotlight that he has has brought, and in this week of play, not only has he brought that spotlight, but he's backed it up and gotten things done. He's been fun as hell to watch. I can't remember. And I was really excited. One of my all-time favorite Reds players, Eric Davis. And I know that he wears 44, Eric Davis wore 44. I'm not trying to make a comparison. I'm trying to make a comparison for me the last time I truly felt this level of excitement. I'll be honest with you. When Chris Welsh was on this show on Friday and brought up Jay Bruce, I, I wasn't excited as excited about that as I am about this or was about Eric Davis. And with Eric Davis, that was back in the late 80s. So you really had to work to notice you know, back then, the Reds were occasionally on Channel 4. But you really, truly had to work to notice. You had to read the box scores every day when newspapers printed the box scores. Or listen to it on the big one. And by the way, we got a guest that you can listen to on the big one coming up here at about 430. Yeah, you had to do all that. Ellie De La Cruz is in the last week probably brought the Reds more notoriety and spotlight than they've had since, um, you know, one of the the owners popped off, (laughs) I guess. I mean, really, De La Cruz is right here, and the where else are you going to go comment now is lower, which is great. Now you got something else to talk about other than where else are you going to go. Are you going to leave the Reds? You're not going to watch the Reds? You're not going to care about the Reds? Now there's something different. And that's what, much like Indianapolis, that's what Cincinnati in this case needs. Look how long they went football-wise. Losing and losing and losing, although I don't know what was promised to the fan base over there. Yeah, see, I don't even put... Josh, honestly, I don't put a Aquino in that category. He went off with a bunch of home runs, but th- this is just, to me, so different. This is just so different. He's like, you can see De La Cruz, he's an oh wow. On so many different levels. They you know, The reference, you don't hear it that much anymore. The five-tool player, he's got more than five. He has the entire toolbox. You got the tool shed, to be honest with you. And it's just different. I haven't felt that way in a long time. And that has been cool to watch. Tommy Thrall is the play by play voice of the Reds. He's joining us at four thirty. Cool. That's funny. We used to, more than occasionally, especially when our friend Tucker Barnhart played for the Reds, get Marty Brenneman on. It was some of the best of times. Uh, Tommy's going to join us coming up at 4.30 today. Uh, Jake Quarry's going to be here. That is coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. A lot to talk about with Jake, including uh, what is going to be our fan golf outing coming up. You uh, You guys will absolutely want to be a part of that. So do not miss it. Some more NFL news. We'll dive on. I think everybody's all about the, all right, so where's DeAndre Hopkins going to go? It's kind of weird I feel this way because it is a wide receiver, but I don't think it really matters that much. He's kind of looked like he was done. Here's something that's worth watching. And you just got this note reportedly that Fred Van VanVleet of the Raptors, their guard, is going to opt for free agency. Uh, they just hired a first-time head coach over the weekend, and in terms of me going back and talking about this Pacers team, maybe in this case opting to go with an established player, you know, over drafting a bunch of other dudes or trading draft selections to have more draft flexibility in years down the road to utilize. And it makes you wonder how the rest of the NBA will view the Raptors in what is clearly looking like a rebuild right there. And the reason why I bring that up is obvious because of OG Ananobi. But that does look like, it looks like that there's going to be more than just the occasional availability right there. And we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. I don't watch golf too much. And even with the U.S. Open coming up next week, I'm probably going to sit back and, like, sit all day long, although it'll be at night now because I think that's out at the L.A. Country Club. So that'll be a little bit different. But I'm not one to sit around the house all day and watch golf. Yesterday was fun, though. (laughs) That was a good time. I know, for example, I know Kevin Bowen's a big-time golf fan. He's probably the biggest golf fan that is a part of a show here. But that ending, that seventy-two foot drano was pretty awesome, right there. And then the Canadian celebration. <laughs> I love when you guys rock the Canadian stuff, like the Canadian tuxedo. What is the Canadian tuxedo? Is that uh, a denim button-down shirt and a tie? <laughs> you guys make me laugh. <laughs> nah, man, that was fun to watch yesterday. It was. Yeah, I didn't dive too much into – I know Ted Bishop and I because he is the former president of the PGA of America. In fact, the 38th. We talked about the uh, LIV PGA alliance. That's what we're calling it now, an alliance. It went from a, a merger to an alliance, I guess, right? Which is pretty funny. We talked about that a little bit last week. But now nah, that that this weekend, I think – Really, in terms of what is viewed, no, good, the golf game itself, after the week that golf had, that seemed to be incredibly necessary. So the Canadians swoop in and save everything again, I guess, right? Uh, wildfire smoke notwithstanding from last week, but no, seriously. That seems to be something that was necessary for the game of golf, for your enjoyment. I'm going to tell you what, when this all turns into nothing but ridiculous speculation, full-time criticism, no matter what the situation, and when it is all about the financials, a lot of you are going to get turned off there are sometimes when you you need a little savior here and that savior is something you see enjoyable in the game that you covet and yesterday you got that I thought that that was absolutely necessary with the week that golf had been through Nick Taylor from Canada with that 72 footer was a big deal i don't know how many people watched it i don't know how many of you care about it but it just felt like that was necessary it's fun all those canadian folks in toronto going crazy in the stands how about his friend the golfer that got tackled (laughs) adam adwin that was awesome and the security guy's just doing his job he had no idea he squared up had one like crazy. He ran out to congratulate his friend and all of a sudden what was the um what was the commercial office linebacker Terry Cruz was in that group of commercials for like ESPN. Yeah, that yeah, was like office, that. yeah. That was like uh green linebacker. Security linebacker. That was that was a gifted tackle right there. It's not like this dude was expecting it though, so I'm sure he's very easy to tackle. Man, it seemed like golf, right? Needed that yesterday. Seems like it did. Yeah, I know you guys. It does make me happy when the Reds take a series from the <clears throat> last place Cardinals. But the what do I say about the next to last place Cubs? Normally I would be rejoicing in that. But a good friend is a part of it. Normally I'd be saying, wow, the Cubs and the Cardinals, one near the cellar, one dwelling in it. That is fantastic. It's not as good as the Reds had they been leading the NL Central. But it's an appetizer, right? It's a parting gift of nothing else. But because of Tucker Barnhart, I go, yeah, you guys need to start winning maybe a little bit. Reds, by the way, start the evening. That's four games back of the Reds of the, are you ready? Pittsburgh Pirates, everybody. (laughs) Pirates are leading the Central. Brewers in the second place in the Central. And Tommy Thrall is going to be in Kansas City. I'm trying to think, and this is probably I'm not gonna to go too far with this, but it did occur to me and I don't did the Reds go to Kansas City a year ago? I don't think I really want to know what happened like one time the last time the Reds were in Kansas City. You guys catch my drift on that? Hang away from that. I don't know if they were there a year ago or not. I don't know how the scheduling works. James is going, hey, I don't have any idea. It's better off that you don't. Hey, by the way, how'd your tattoo go? Are you sore over there? Yeah, a little bit sore, but it went well. What number? How many tattoos you got now? I think this is my ninth, actually. I'm ni- nine tattoos. Yep. Um, and, and here, I'm firmly against tattoos. I am not a tattoo fan. Nine tattoos. How many did you get on Friday? Uh, Technically, I guess
4: I got two. It's all going to be two. one piece in the end of uh, when I get it redone again in july
3: but um oh, so there's an ongoing too. process oh yeah i'm talking going, I'm going back in july to get the rest wow. of it finished up so the uh vincent van gogh of tattoos charged you what if you would care to share uh it was two hundred dollars an hour <laughs> how many hours did he spend
4: uh we went six six hours say what about six hours in the chair i mean it was all like it's all this
3: did that cost you over a thousand dollars oh yeah oh yeah I, I so I don't want to come across as sounding like some old fart I know a lot of you go hey old fart yeah
4: as someone who has paid for bad tattoos and like paid like not a lot for bad tattoos it's good to pay for it's good to you get you get what you paid for you get what you paid for
3: okay I'm trying really really hard here really hard one thousand. Dollars, yes, or more more, yes, it was
4: more <clears throat> and that's the second of my tattoos that's cost more than a grand, mm.
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. do I sound really old?
4: a little bit, yeah, I'm a little bit behind there, huh? You sound like my parents
3: <laughs> I do. I think I do sound like your your parents. <laughs> That's great. Hey, somebody just sent me this, by the way. I mentioned the golf. I'll get back to the uh, $1,000 tattoo weekend for a good friend, James Adams, over there. Uh, Last 15 minutes of golf yesterday watched by 145,000 people in the indie viewing area. Uh, Again, according to research. One hundred and forty five thousand plus in this area. Watch the final 15 minutes. Thought with the news of the week, everybody needed that. Yeah. Skimmy's wants to know how much we paying you, by the way. Are they paying you? It's not I say we I'm not paying you anything. I, how much are the, I mean, you must be? Are you handsomely? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a kinetical water question of the day. Would you? pay $1,000 for a tattoo. It's an ongoing tattoo. It is, it is. All right. And it's a very high-quality tattoo. What kind of portrait are we talking about? It is pretty special to you, so I'm not going to make fun of it. People are suggesting I'm making fun of it right now. I'm really not. Yeah. I'm just trying to find a reason. Like, I have a little tiny brain here Mm. that's trying to search for a reason why.
4: I mean, it's going to be on my body for the rest of my life, so it's good to make sure it's quality work.
3: Mm. Okay. You just brought that up. In terms of things that I know that's going to be on my body for the rest of my life, the tattoo would be a distant well behind everything. else. You know, like a lot of things here. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Where do I start? <laughs> I've already said this. By the time I'm 60, I plan on having all new parts. Gotcha. The, the thing I need next, I, I passed this up. Somebody came at me. This is probably three years ago and said, hey. How about you tout our our LASIK eye care facility? And I go, yeah, you know what? My eyesight's really good. And then as soon as it came, it's like a bubble right out of my mouth, right? I just said it. And I can't see anything right now. I put on, I actually, I was in line at a bookstore. Yeah, no, that's pretty funny. I was in line, at a, that wasn't for me. I was in line at a bookstore about a month ago, and I put on one of those readers, and I saw better. I go. Oh, you need prescriptions. I guess. Man, so I, I I want all new parts by the time I'm 60. I've got like six and a half more years to get all. I want all new. Because clearly, you look at this right now. Uh, this this I think this could be like a 69. Chevy Camaro, but I need a lot of Bondo here. There's a lot of Bondo. Going to be like the Bionic Man over there. Exactly. Oh, the Bionic Man. That's exactly right. (laughs) Steve Austin sitting here. Quick break and we'll return. Your call's on the other side. Jake Quarry's going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. The voice of the Reds on the road in Kansas City. Tommy Thrall's going to be here coming up at 4.30 today. We have stuff to give away? We got Jethro Tull tickets. Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull, I believe, got a mention in the film Beautiful Girls. I believe there was a line, no Jethro Tall at the party there, throwing in beautiful girls. I don't know why this occurred to me, but Jethro Tull. Tickets for that coming up. By the way, a shout-out to the Brown County Music Center last night, KC and the Sunshine Band. Well done. Great time. Thank you, Christian and the gang down at the Brown County Music Center for that. All right, quick calls. We'll do that on the other side at 239-1070. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio. Make sense of a $1,000 sit-down for an ongoing portrait-like tattoo. Put that in there. The Connecticut water question of the day. That's our good friend, producer James. Tommy Thrall, Jake Query, you and me, HD Radio, the stream, the app at 93.5 and 107. the fan.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The Ride with JMV. I want you out in front of the
4: school with her. I'd like to have a few words with you, by God.
1: 93.5 and 107.5.
3: The Fan. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Shout out to everybody there. Jump in there and start a casual conversation. And have a good time in there. Well, there's Lick and there's Larry Brown. Uncouth. Fundamental Bear. I'm sure Gritty's in there as well. Love you guys. Keep the conversation going. Again, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Tommy Thrall is the voice of the Reds. Kansas City, their side tonight. On the road. The Reds have been fun to watch. Ellie De La Cruz. When is the last time they had some must-see TV like that? It's been a while. I go all the way back, like a lot of you. I go all the way back to where when we talk about the Reds in rock fashion, the old woe was me type of stuff, you never would have done that in the mid seventies. And they had the arguably the best lineup one through one through nine of all time. Most of the time. I say one through nine in the NL back then, but certainly as far as their position players are concerned, can't get much better than that. Uh, Tommy's going to be here at 4.30. I think it's a, a first-timer for Tommy. Tommy first-timer. Uh, Quarry's at four. Evan is going to talk a little NBA. I'm going to bring to him my theory of what might be lurking in Toronto. I don't know, just for S's and G's, right? And if there could be a benefit or certainly a pathway regarding the Pacers with what the uh, Raptors are doing, Uh, do that with Evan coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, this show is live at Victory Field, by the way, coming up on Friday too. The high school baseball championships, and uh, we shall have that uh, covered for you. Should be a good time. Clifford has reminded me of this Uh, The Athletic going down to one Colts covering journalists with Kravitz being let go. Yeah, I did reach out to Bob. I reached out to Bob via social media. I know that James did as well. Uh, Bob will always have an open door here. Bob has been really good, really good to this show, and I like having Bob on. And that stinks regarding the athletic and and what they're doing. I I know that there are some out there that feel some sort of satisfaction. And I get the whole, I get the go woke or go broke and all that stupidity, right, that I have to hear all the time. That's what happens, right? That's what happens when I hit the uh, for you. I get all that stupidity. So that's why I want to stay out of for you. But we're better off around here with the more the merrier i've always said that about radio i've always said that about the colleagues one of which is a colleague now at the station who's going to join me at four uh back when when he and uh, derek had a show opposite of me i love the fact that they're on loved it what you guys deserve you guys deserve it all not just me and that comes from the heart. That That is, and that's, that's what makes me different. Like I'm true, true radio because I love radio. And I roll in there on Saturday night and people go, why, why are you in there? Like somebody that has done radio a long time ago and was incredibly successful has told me, why don't you just voice track that? Well, because if I voice track it, I'm just like everybody else around here. You deserve better. If I'm going to do something, it's going to be, what the hell would I want to voice track it for? (laughs) Why? Just to pass the time? Of course not. So I'm a lover of radio, and I want that clearly, especially local radio, where it truly matters because nobody else cares about you like we do. I said that back in the first segment. They might bowl crappy and say that they do, but deep down they don't. So the more the merrier to me. It's always been that way, and especially with those covering the team, and especially with those that have covered the team as Bob has since 2000. And again, if you remember the time that was, you know, back at the end of of the Benner and Miller, and you know how much I love those guys, by the way, Bill Benner made a request on Saturday night, which was awesome. A little dedication to his brother, David Benner, Sky Point. But I love those guys. Just you want as many voices as possible. And I don't mind, you know, the podcasters, you know, why do you celebrate them? Because they're working against you. And I celebrate it all. Because I want everybody around here to have a choice. Especially a choice in radio and especially a choice in different voices that you hear as far as your, your favorite sports teams or your most interesting sports teams. I don't know if I recognized that early on. But as an old crusty guy that thinks nine tattoos would be nine too many, I certainly understand it now. So... I'm going to raise the glass, even though I think it's very premature to do that for Bob. Because Bob long since has been really good, top-notch of what he does. I'm going to raise it to Bob. And Bob can come on here regardless of affiliation whenever Bob wants to come on here. Uh, Because I have thoroughly enjoyed him. Have we always agreed? No. Last week, actually, when he was on, I think the only thing we agreed on is that we both like Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, and Charlie Sexton. (laughs) That's about it. But that's exactly what you want. You don't want a silence. You don't want a a shrinking. You, you You want the most that you can get as far as voices and those that are out there. And the athletic appear apparently is taking a lot away today. That stinks. So a shout-out to Bob Kravitz from us. And again, open door whenever Bob wants to show up. Hey, Jamie, I was listening on Saturday night, too. It's amazing how many calls you get from out of state. How does that happen? Well, they have an app, I think. And what happens sometimes in social media, you get stuff that's shared, and then somebody tunes in and likes it. I'm telling you. Live radio, interactive radio, it's it's kind of like what I do here. I mean, I involve you here, and I involve you over there. And I have long since told people that that's what is love. People like to hear themselves. People, like, obviously, top of the list right here, right? No, people want to know that what they have to say or their interest in a song They can pick it and it can get played. They can call in and they can talk about it. So, yeah, it is not surprising to me that it works, and it's not surprising to me that we get we get calls, as you mentioned, from you know Pennsylvania, Vermont, Maine, South Dakota, Florida, Kentucky. I mean, we get Illinois. It's it's pretty cool that way, and I like it. I love the local flavor, and always will love the local flavor first. But I just think it's something that in And radio has been lost in the shuffle of making everything cost efficient, cost efficient to some. So it's enjoyable and you're right about that. Maybe a little bit of a surprise, not that much. Hey, Janvi, you were talking about the heat a little bit earlier, too, and I would agree. Nobody expected them to do what they have done, and even though I am not a fan, that has been the most enjoyable aspect of this postseason, and I would agree. And they lose tonight. It doesn't take away from it. It's a bummer that it's over, but it just goes to show you where Denver is right now compared to where everybody else is. That's legit. And it's weird. That's kind of how you figure these things out, right? You play. Isn't that weird? You play. But it certainly doesn't take away. Uh, By the way, NBA Finals Game 5 tonight, 730 Could be the uh, swan song for the NBA season. Of course, a week from Thursday, the NBA draft. We'll have a lot to talk about with that. Evan Sider is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. But again, Game 5 tonight, 730, right here on The Fan. The voice of the Reds there in Kansas City, Tommy Thrall, will talk about how this week has been certainly a lot closer than I am with this Reds team with Ellie De La Cruz being a part of it. What a breath of fresh air. seriously I don't know about you it's like when you walk in you walk into somebody's place and they've got um for whatever season it is they've got that that perfect Yankee candle that's going in there you like walk in and not like when you're walking into James's place and it's like patchouli or something but no when you walk in you're a patchouli guy no I don't even know what that is, is no, that I, a candle? Don't, I don't really either just go into certain stores. If I went into an old karma store, let's just say if you go in some place like Headstones and Terre Haute to buy a bong that's supposed to be for amusement, we know what it's for, then that that scent would be in gotcha, there. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. So no no bong guy or anything like that, huh? I, I'm, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Well, okay, good for you. Good for you. But it's kind of like when you walk in somebody's house and they got this Yankee candle going and it's just right for the season, right? That's how fresh and new, clean linen Ellie De La Cruz has been for the Reds. Tommy Thrall, their voice, is going to join us at 4.30. Jay Query coming up at the top of the hour. We'll remind you of our golf outing coming up later on this summer. It's going to be can't miss. We'll explain coming up a little bit later on. And your chance at Jethro Tull tickets as well when uh, we return. Maybe when we return, maybe a little bit later on in the show. Ninety three five one zero seven five. the fan. Don't leave. <laughs>
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5. The
3: Fan. Thank you for joining us. Jay Quarry's at the top of the hour. Uh, Victory Field coming up on Friday. I'll tell you why. A lot of you might be there anyway. Tommy Thrall's the voice of the Reds, Kansas City, and Cincy coming up later on tonight. Back in the day, I was—I'm always been a big Reds fan. I mean, going all the way back to the Big Red Machine. First memories I have of baseball, Big Red Machine, around '75, and it's not just because—well, you're jumping on the bandwagon. You don't jump on a bandwagon. Well, I guess you, maybe you do to a degree. Uh, with what interests you when you're five you just you don't know that there's a lot of winning going on you don't understand I was drawn to the personalities Rose bench Morgan Perez Concepción George Foster George Foster leading the National League in home runs 52. Believe that MVP season he had in the NL in 1977. Baseball card collecting led you to that as well. But I did in the late 70s, early 80s. I did start to enjoy a great deal the Kansas City Royals. And one of the the greatest all-time players, at least for me, is George Brett. He won batting titles in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. George Brett. Tried to track down the elusive 400 average for a season in 1980. I mean, had an opportunity. I believe it was the last week of the season. Ended up at 390. Royals go to the World Series against the Phillies 1980. end up losing. Royals beat the Cardinals in the World Series 1985. And what made it even sweeter is the Cardinals got completely hosed on a call at first base. Made it even better. It was like the cherry on top. But, no, George Brett goes back in time as one of my all-time favorites. I mean, not much of an interest-level redlegs-wise. They have a young player, uh, I should say Reds and Royals. That's tonight. But the Royals have a young player in Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, The Reds have a young player in Ellie De La Cruz. And for a week, he has been the talk of Major League Baseball. As enjoyable of a week of being under a spotlight as Reds fans have seen in a while, and that's pretty cool. And it's legit too. It's not. Oh, by the way, it is legit the type of love that he's getting because he—he is. We talked about this last week with Chris Welsh. He's just different. That's exactly how it feels. And Tommy Thrall, the voice of the Reds, 430. Evan Sidery, you've got the draft a little over a week away. That's a week from Thursday, the NBA draft. Number seven overall. And opinions vary about the direction, most of which is, I don't know if these guys are going to be the choice at seven. Maybe one's off the board, maybe both. Between Walker and Hendricks, we'll talk about that and more with Evan Sidery. And, you know, whether or not this change in course that the Raptors are going through, because it does look like a rebuild, uh, the availability of some of their players. We know that Fred Van Vliet is going to test free agency. But what about the availability again of OG Ananobi? A couple of thoughts there. Evan Sidery is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour to discuss that. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number. If you guys want to jump on board, we can. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. No, no uh, Isaiah Rogers news. At least nothing new to this point, too. And you got uh, some mandatory minicamp coming up for the Colts as well. Jake and I will talk about that. We will talk about a lot more with you coming up here at the top of the hour and tickets to give away before the end of the show as well. 9351075 the fan.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The Ride with JMV.
3: Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble.
1: 93.5 and
3: 107.5. The Fan. Somebody asked me this. Wonder Road the 17th and 18th one of the headliners for that would be on Saturday that would be Weezer right here James I know that you're kind of metalish over there does Weezer fall into a category of anything you'll listen to I don't hate Weezer
4: but I would never really I guess put them on myself never really
3: put them on myself That's not a heavy endorsement right there. Not really, no. Jason Isbell is the Sunday headliner. Wonder Road. Where does that take place? Garfield Park? Well done. I actually, I dig Weezer. I think I've seen Weezer a couple of different times. I think they're fun. They're a fun band. We need fun. They're fun. Put on a good show. Weezer's fun. Yeah, I think I've seen them twice. Good to know. Andy Moore, Automotive Group, Potline. Jake Query for the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m., joins us. Have you ever seen Weezer?
2: I have never seen Weezer, and I'm kind of with James. Like, they're fine. I wouldn't necessarily actively seek it out or put them on. Yeah. They're fine. But, sorry, that's my car starting. Um, no, no problem with Weezer, but wouldn't be – if you gave me free tickets, I'd go see them, but I probably wouldn't seek it out.
3: Weezer. See, I don't know. My, my kid, Blake, said the same thing that you guys are saying. And I said, man, what? Weezer is a fun band. Nice catalog of music right there. They talk I mean, about a hash pipe once and, you know, the Sweater song, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't know. That's, it just seems like that they were on, they were kind of on the other side. Remember we had that huge alternative music Movement back in the early '90s, you know, everybody called it grunge, but that's what it was. Weezer was, I guess, they kind of started in the middle, and then were on the other side of that movement. They were kind of one of those bands, and I know the Offspring was one, but I'm going to say this kind of an offspring of that musical movement in the '90s. Kind of felt well, like don't that.
2: You remember also, John, there was a, there was a little bit of a wave there, late '90s, right into about 2000 where every band was one word. Blur, Bush, yeah. Cake, Weezer. They were all kind of the same thing, right? I mean, they were they were fine. But I, I'll tell you the one that, that people will throw you down a flight of stairs for. And I don't dislike this band, so I don't want people coming after me that I dislike them. But I never really got into, but I will admit that when I hear their songs, I'm like, yeah, it's a cool song. It's Poo Fighters. I know that people love yeah. and enjoy going to their shows. They're I'm definitely boys, one of those, obviously. yeah. they yeah. incredibly likable. But, like, I've just, for whatever reason, I, I never, like, did a deep dive on them. They're cool, but, like, I, I've never seen them. Um, I'm actually going at the end of the month to see Noel Gallagher. Individually, the two Gallagher brothers are both kind of insufferable pukes.
3: Yeah, they but, are. They are complete turds, is, yeah.
2: Totally, but Oasis is awesome. Yeah, I would agree. You know, they got enough. Car crash right in front of the Conrad in a
3: taxi cab in India like ten years ago. Um, did you know that? I did not I think, know that. Well, I thought that that was a legend. That's accurate. I, I thought that that accurate. was kind of legendary. I, I'm pretty, I'm not, pretty not, sure it's accurate. I
2: found a newspaper article about it.
3: Can you imagine? Well, I've been punked. I think it's were, accurate. Were they were they together in this car? Because they don't ride I, together, I, do they? As brothers go, they're about as close to the initial portion of the stepbrothers as you can get in the film. It
2: might have, oh, I mean, they're, they, they are. Ain't one they one another. Suffer, right? Um, I'm, I'm you, know that, you know that You
3: know Liam or Noel probably put his uh, nutsack on the drum kit. So, you know that.
2: Probably, to be honest with you, it's entirely <laughs> possible, if this is a true story, that, that they were hit by the other one. in a...
3: Probably right. Yeah. I, I always Here thought, go, I heard that, and I always thought that that was a legend. Right? But you might be right.
2: depressed. OK, <laughs> Oasis members hurt in taxi crash, August 7, 2002. Three members of the British rock band Oasis are recovering after being hurt in a car crash. The musicians were in a taxi Tuesday afternoon when it, was, when it was involved in a head-on collision with another vehicle in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana. Noel Gallagher, Andy Bell, and Jay Darlington were taken by ambulance to a hospital. There you go.
3: Oh, Andy Bell. I love Andy Bell. That's awesome. Now- I mean, that that's not <laughs> awesome, but yeah. So you know Andy Bell, if it's I'm assuming is the Andy Bell from Erasure, Andy Bell, right? That's the Andy Bell we're talking about. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I thought that was. There you go. Cool. And I had no idea. I always thought that that was more of a legend than anything. It sounds well like an urban legend for sure. Yeah, It was. Um, I'm curious. I know you guys were talking about it a little bit this morning. Uh, the NBA Finals coming to a close later on tonight. I don't want to dive too deeply into it because I know not a lot of people probably care at this point. But to me, it's still been an incredibly enjoyable NBA postseason, even if the finals itself was lackluster because one team was just more dominant than the other here.
2: I heard what you were talking about earlier with Miami and just two guys and three dudes, and you're exactly right. And, you know, I've mentioned you before, John. My friend Dan is a diehard Miami heat fan. He used to live in Miami. And so we kind of bonded together by getting pizzas and watching the Miami heat about three years ago. So I watched him a lot in the way spolster coaches. And I agree with what you're saying. If you like good basketball, you've got to be impressed and a little bit invigorated by the way, Miami, their blueprint on how they win, which is just, they play very well as a team. They have different sets. They have different looks they can do. On the other hand, Denver and it wasn't until we were off the air today when I had this epiphany that typically happens to me. But, you know, the Nuggets, if you really look at it, the Nuggets were built, John. People ask a lot, like, how does Indiana build a competitive team? You know, in a, in a middle market or a lower market, and a non-lifestyle market, how do you build a winner in the NBA? If you look at what Denver did, they hit on all three categories. They had a lottery pick that hit on them in Jamal Murray. You know, they made a great selection there, and he's turned out to be a great player for them. They had a late second-round pick and an international flyer that panned out, and Jokic, who's obviously the best player probably in the game right now. And then they had a trade that worked out well for them by taking a risk. You know, they took a- another guy that was a lottery pick or a- a- on the out- maybe right on the outside of the lottery, and Gary Harris, and a couple of pieces, and sent them to Orlando for Aaron Gordon, who had been a high scorer for Orlando, and took the risk that he would be able to mesh into a role for them and buy into it, and he has. So that trade worked out beautifully for them, and he's been a really good player for them. And then the the, the fourth aspect, a guy, Michael Porter Jr., that they took a flyer on because he fell to a round where they were drafting because of the fact he had the back injury in college, and they said, you know what, we'll we'll buy patience here, and we'll, we'll wait it out, and he's been a key part for them as well. You've got to hit on all those, and it does probably take going three for three or four for four in those categories. But they've done that. Indiana, right now, to localize it, you know, Benedict Matherin looks like a guy that hit for them in the first round. Andrew Demhard is obviously not, you know, Nikola Jokic, don't get me wrong, but he's a good player that they got as a flyer and a second round pick. And they've got a couple more opportunities for that this year. And you know, and they also made a trade. Aaron Niesmith is not Aaron Gordon, don't get me wrong, but he's a nice, solid piece that has worked out for them and bought into what they want to do, and, and he's showing some good promise and why he was a high pick. So the, there's optimism there. If you want to localize it and you look at the blueprint for Denver, yes, the Pacers would be a very poor man's nuggets at this point, but I do think that they offer a resemblance of the blueprint on how you get yourself to that position.
3: No, I, I would agree, too. And, I you know, you hit on, I think, what is the, the biggest. They they just have a defining player right now. They have a, a player that nobody can figure out, that nobody can do anything with. And then that sparks Jamal Murray. Plus, you know, Jamal Murray a year ago was missing with an injury. Um, and, and they did kind of reshuffle the deck a little bit. I think Eric, Aaron Gordon is a guy for them that – I think we kind of overlooked him maybe a little bit in Orlando because there was a lot of losing going on down there, but he is an excellent complementary piece Totally to Jokic in Denver. Oh. Excellent.
2: You know, one of the – and I might have mentioned this to you before. I know I've said it on the morning show. One of the great tweets I've ever seen – you know, every once in a while somebody sends something out on Twitter and you go, that is just so brilliant. Somebody sent a tweet that just said, Jokic is Greg Ostertag but Larry Bird. Like, that's exactly right. Like He looks like this big, lumbering dupus out there, and then he's like throwing out 12 assists and rebounding and making behind-the-back passes and hitting three-point shots and fallaways, and you're like, holy cow. He is Larry Bird, but he looks like Ostertag. But you're right. Nobody can figure out what to do with the guy.
3: Let me tell he, you, there, there's something to be said, and I, I would say that to a, a much, much lesser degree to me. I always thought I came in a decent disguise. Because I look like you go. Wait a minute! This guy can't do anything. You know, you know, let this guy be guarded by this guy or whatever. Because this guy stinks. And I always thought that that was, that was great to be you know disguised like that and play well. I think Jokic is the ultimate right there. I mean, he he comes in a disguise of of kind of an oaf and then can get you from every conceivable angle. I think to me that is even more special than you know these these. You know, absolutely, the lightning bolt came down and said, you are going to be this incredibly athletic basketball player. You know what I mean? I think there's something to be said more about that with Jokic than there is about, you know, just the guys where you go, well, that's can't miss right there because look how athletic they are. The thing
2: that's interesting to me about Jokic is typically with a guy like that, because he can play, you know, on the low block or he can come up to the top and you look at it and you go, okay, offenses run through a guy like that because he's a, a centerpiece player. your traditional, like, down-low player. But the offense runs through him. He's like a one-man triangle offense. Like, the offense runs through him no matter where you have him on the floor. If he gets the ball 28 feet from the basket, the offense is still running around and, and bouncing off of him. So he can pull up shoot it if he has to. Or he can put it on the floor with this unorthodox-looking drive. Or he can just... Pull up and hit that like soft little jumper. I mean, his skill set really is remarkable, and you know he's the he's the big man bu- version of Luka Doncic, right? Who also is unorthodox in the way he looks and the way he plays, but you can't do anything about it because you look out at the numbers he's putting up, and it's unbelievable.
3: And no doubt about that. Jay Query, of The Morning Show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. You at all surprised we had this discussion last week, uh, but were you at all surprised that we haven't heard anything more concrete regarding uh, this investigation with Isaiah Rogers in mind?
2: You know, I think the longer it goes, probably the more troublesome it could be because maybe they're doing an even more thorough, in depth investigation. I mean, it's interesting because Rogers himself basically came out and said, in not so many terms like, yeah, it's me. But I I think what they've got to figure out is whether or not he bet on games that the Colts played in. And I know that that's the allegation, but you can't, if that's the allegation, John, and it's true, then I I would say that he's probably played his last NFL game. I, I don't see how the NFL allows a guy back in the league if they find out he was betting on games in which he was playing. Well, yeah, he's,
3: he's certainly not that level of player which you would that's even it. think about that's considering, exactly right?
2: That's exactly it. I mean, yeah. he is the kind of player that if he were, even if he were to get suspended a, a year or two, that's long enough for him to be out of sight, out of mind, right? And so I, I think when you are talking about leveling that kind of a potential discipline, or a discipline on that kind of a level of infraction, That I'm assuming that they need to make absolutely certain they have everything in a row. So, yeah, it's a little surprising we haven't heard anything by now. Um, and then it makes you wonder, too, if we never do, what do they do with him, considering he already sent something out? He already issued a statement of apology. Well, so far he's apologized for something with which he hasn't been charged. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Right. Yeah, that would that would seem to, to make you believe that there is something uh, much more deeply rooted than what what we know right now, reportedly speaking.
2: Yeah, although I will admit, um, you know, from the time, as I told you last week that I first heard about this and got kind of tipped to it. And, you know, you always wonder if this isn't like, you know, the, the, the Oasis taxicab thing. And you're like, well, it's urban legend or is it true? Whatever. And. But I've never heard any other name. I mean, I heard from the very get-go there is a defensive player that was made aware of an investigation in late February. It's come to a head now. The Colts are just finding out about it. It's going to go public within three days, and it took three hours. And all of that, everything that I heard, lined up as totally accurate, and I have not heard any other name other than his.
3: Uh, my Sycamores. My Sycamores bowed out of the uh, college baseball tournament uh, short of Omaha I think it was a great season a lot of people have asked me this and I was going to be curious your thoughts I really hadn't asked anybody else I just kind of consider it myself I had a lot of Indiana State fans say well see this is what happens when your school president and your AD dropped a ball on this but I watched both those games and to me it wasn't about home field it was about one team being to me again clearly better than the other and that's what TCU was what'd you think
2: totally agree Uh, listen Indiana State had a a fine season they had a, a great a great they did a great job of getting themselves you know people forget that that's been a proud baseball program in the past they've been to the College World Series before albeit nearly 40 years ago but they did a great job. They, they deserve a ton of credit for getting Indiana State baseball within the chatter, certainly within this market, and just even regionally, if not nationally. But TCU is the hottest team in the country right now, and I mean, and they continue to play that way. I don't think it would have made a difference where they played. I don't know how, how big an advantage at that level, like quote-unquote home field, truly is. But TCU is on a hot streak that, that they ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, it comes down to that. I, I liken it or rather would simply say, I should say, great season for Indiana State, great story to get where they were, disappointing the logistics of what caused them to go on the road, but a silver lining in the fact that TCU, to their credit, and their fans deserve a ton of credit for stepping up and understanding the unique situation, raising money for the Special Olympics that took place in Terre Haute. And as a result of that, I think Indiana State fans tip their cap and then say, we're going to root for TCU from here on out.
3: It's Jay Querrey who joins us. Speaking of baseball, and obviously whenever Yankees, Red Sox are on, that's what you get every Sunday night. That's what you're going to get again next Sunday night, I think, at Fenway Park. And maybe this is just coming from an eternal Reds fan here, but it would serve ESPN any purpose to put one of Ellie De La Cruz's games on with the Reds here relatively soon, considering the love he's received in the past week.
2: The The guys that I can think of – that have generated this much buzz right out of the box. I agree with somebody who mentioned this to you earlier, and I agree with you as well in the counter to it. Aquino is up there with the exception of the fact that he didn't come in with a lot of praise and expectation. He just got out to such an unbelievably hot start that it generated an excitement that everybody knew was never going to be permanent, right? Aroldis Chapman is up there because he burst onto the scene. He's throwing 105 and people are like, holy cow. And, they never seen anything like it, but in terms of all aspects of it, I mean, a guy hitting a legitimate triple by just simply having ten point eight seconds from home to third is unbelievable. And then hitting four hundred ninety eight forty eight ninety foot, you know, four hundred ninety eight foot, excuse me, home runs, and the way he can run and field. I mean, everything about. I agree with you, John. He's like he's not a five tool five tool player. He's like an eight tool player. Um, so it is exciting. It's exciting as a Red fan because it's we haven't had much to get excited about, and, and I don't know. I know that he has been obviously a national prospect, but I don't know how much of that translates to. You know, are we just super excited about it because we're Reds fans, yeah. or are people in Denver and Phoenix and Seattle like, hey, you seen what this kid in Cincinnati's doing? Yeah, I,
3: I, I just I don't know the- yeah, I would agree with you on that certainly. There's no doubt that we care, and, and a lot of other people wouldn't. But I would think that if I'm baseball, I would want to put that on a showcase or something because I, I think you need – I mean, certainly in Cincinnati you need it, especially when you have uh, bungling ownership like that. But I think, uh, to me, if you're baseball, you want to showcase somebody like that, especially when when they justify you doing it early. That's, that's the only reason why I was compelled to ask you that because, yeah, I know, in Denver or in Phoenix or, you know, as you mentioned, Seattle, nobody's going to give a crap about it.
2: I mean, I agree with you, though. Like, what's? I mean, I remember when, you know, I'm trying to think a different – like when Manny Machado first came up, you know what I mean? That was the first time, really, that, like, Baltimore got any national love except when they were playing the Yankees or the Red Sox, and it was specifically for that reason because he was a promising, exciting player. So there's precedent for them putting teams on that wouldn't normally because of one player.
3: Um, he reminds, he reminds me of – he reminds me, and this could be wrong, Jay. He reminds me of Bo Jackson. Where I mean, he just fair. he's just so naturally gifted at right. everything. I mean, well, I'm not talking about you know. I'm not. People are going to go. Well, wait a minute. He's not like Bo. I'm talking about being naturally gifted at everything. From what we have witnessed, it's at that level. Being that age is incredible.
2: There are very few players remaining in baseball, where when you're walking to the restroom in the restaurant and you look up and see them at bat, you stop. And right now, he's that guy. And they don't have many of those. In Major League Baseball, John, you and I have talked about it a million times. You mentioned the 83 National League All-Star team. Between between you and I, yep. we could name probably 20 of the 22 starters in the 83 All-Star game. Yep, But you could name five of them from last year. No doubt. And that's Major League Baseball. And so they, Major League Baseball, the fact that Mike Trout's not a household name in this country is insane. They need to get on the bandwagon of these young guys and promote the heck out of them because they're exciting and they're fun to watch, and that's what baseball needs.
3: Well, and, and that's why everybody was, you know, given those comparisons of him. And, you know, some said because of, of the, the tools in his arsenal, it's it's Mike Trout. And, you know, there were a lot of names that were knocked around. And that I, I thought immediately of Bo Jackson just because he does everything, and I mean everything so naturally at a high level. Well, and it looks Bo like Jackson. it's effortless.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are not many guys that hit one into the gap at right center and and legitimately, genuinely can are a threat for a triple. Yeah, no <laughs> and doubt. he's one of them, right? There and is... Bo Jackson's another. Now, I I still I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I've got the biggest man crush in the world on Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm I'm totally comfortable in saying that. I, I just like Bo Jackson is the only John, literally like the only person from a celebrity standpoint that I've ever been fortunate enough to be like, and you know, to encounter yeah. where I was totally speechless. That's cool. I, I, because his apex was like at my prime, Yep. you know, I mean, and it was just, oh my gosh, like he was a mythical, he still is to me a mythical figure.
3: I just, that's what this feels like to me though, too. I, I agree. I that's agree fair. with you totally on that too. Totally on that. So...
2: I, Deion Sanders might be a better comparison for him because he's sleeker. Like Bo Jackson was powerful, and I know this guy can hit the ball with power. Yeah, I, yeah. The bat he has, as opposed to the raw muscle. Like Deion Sanders is the same in terms of just the cat-like quickness, the bat speed, and the base speed.
3: I just yeah, he just didn't have he didn't have everything that De La Cruz. I mean, he didn't have everything. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's the thing to me. Davis, but Bo you know, Jackson Bo Jackson did have everything.
2: Eric Davis is a really good one. I heard you mention him earlier. Um, Eric Davis, by the way, when he was in St. Louis with the Cardinals, and I covered St. Louis, I went up to him one time and said, "Hey, Eric, I have a question for you." And he said, "Okay." And I said, "Where do you buy your clothes?" Because he was he had an awesome wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. And he said, "I only buy my clothes in L.A." I said, "Okay." So then, when they were getting ready to go on a road trip to the Dodgers, I said, "Listen, I'm traveling. I'm going to be traveling covering the games." I go, I'd like to do a story where you and I go into one of your men's clothing stores and, like, see if you can outfit me in one of your suits. And he looked right at me and said, I would never do that. Not because I don't think it's a good story, but because I absolutely ooze cool and there's nothing cool about you.
3: That's awesome. You know, but the, but him saying that to you gives you cool. You know what? Oh, totally. That does and that.
2: Totally. Yeah. And pardon, pardon the redundancy, he was totally cool about it. I mean, he was this cool dude.
3: I I bring up Juan Pablo Montoya at Meyer once with me, and uh, somebody let him know that I was mad at him because one time he passed up to do an interview with me to eat. <laughs> he was he was more concerned about eating in uh, a snack more than he was, and somebody had told him that story, and he called me a big baby. Uh, and <laughs> well, he was he was kind of he was kind of half ass joking, but. You've known Juan Pablo Montoya. there was a lot of truth to what he was saying, yeah, he thought I was a big baby, and that kind of justified what I had said about him for so many years. I mean I thought I okay that and that's that's what Eric Davis did to you in justifying that you do have cool in you because he referenced that you so automatically you got some, so that made me know, feel good
2: our 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 late great friend who we both miss terribly, Robin Miller, would have been the first to jump on that by saying. You could take one look at Juan Montoya, and your story is corroborated. That yes, in fact, he would have rather
3: eat. <laughs> Western Bowl sat right next to me and ate nachos, and did Thank not you. did not step over and talk during. I think it was the, the NASCAR stuff. Remember they used to do the bowling outings there for NASCAR. Oh, yeah, that Western yeah. Bowl. It right. I was doing the live broadcast. He sat literally right next to me, the table right next to me, in ate nachos, and like gave me the. Uh, yeah, gave me kind of, eh, nah, I don't think so.
2: I mean, that's him.
3: Eh, <laughs> everything. Speaking
2: of which, we got an outing coming up, right? We do. Now, are you a golfer? I uh,
3: I will. I can. But um, I don't play often, no.
2: People are going to see that. They're going to be able to tell I've never touched a golf club in my life. But this is super cool. It is. Because... This is perfect the way they've done it because you don't have to be a great golfer to be able to come out and enjoy it, right?
3: No, no doubt about it. This is going to be great. It's going to be great.
2: To look, looking at the date here. Do you have the date? Have, you,
3: have you been at uh, Back Nine before?
2: Once. they did. We did an um, IndyCar radio at an outing there, which I couldn't make. I was out of town. And so then I went, I don't know, probably a week after that. Because I heard about it, and I've been to its competitor once, and liked it, and that's the only time I've ever touched a golf club. But that's the beauty of places like that is it's kind of a more relaxed golf yeah. out, right? You don't know, the uber competitive guys. You can go, you can have some beers, eat lunch, silent, you know, silent auction. Yeah, it's called the golf. fan
3: on the back nine. It's our golf outing Tuesday, July the eleventh. Back nine golf and entertainment, which is a fantastic Jake facility. We're going to benefit the American Heart Association presented by Franciscan Health Heart Center again, July the 11th with us i know you and kev are going to be there i'm going to be there you can get your tickets at 1075 thefancom get that today too and get a foursome going just join us all we will drink and this will be a party whenever we show up there's going to be a party and this will be in it and again that's coming up july the 11th at back nine
2: and john i don't know if it was you or the station that got it to partner up with the American Heart Association but I'm obviously grateful for that so um anything we can do to help them out I'm all for.
3: Yeah, I think they know about your situation. I think they just anticipate mine. <laughs> so you know what I mean? <laughs> I think they do. Hey, by the way too before I let you go, uh couple of thoughts on Bob Kravitz. I absolutely hated hearing that today because, you know, much like we've always talked about, we've always been friends, but the more voices in this market, the better. And to lose, at least on this day, somebody like that really stinks. It just does.
2: It does. Um, and, you know, I, I hope one of the true credits to Bob is that he's been polarizing in this in this market. And that's actually the testament of a great writer, especially somebody who was a columnist. But as a journalist in general and his role with The Athletic and the stories that he wrote, and I hope people realize this, over the last, gosh, it's hard to believe he's been here now nearly 25 years, in that quarter century in which I've been fortunate to just kind of be a fly on the wall of the local media, I don't know that there is a writer or a journalist or a broadcaster who has been more plugged in and more trusted by the people that he covered than Bob Kravitz. And Bob Kravitz is the one guy in this market that could pick up his phone right now and Pate Manning would call him back or Paul George would call him back or Victor Oladipo would call him back. There are a few guys that are in that. Yep. In addition to that, I think he's been philanthropic. I know that he took a terrible situation of his mother passing away from ALS and turned it into a fundraiser against that terrible disease. And he has always been willing to help out whenever we have asked or whenever I have asked. And I like him a great deal as a person. I respect him a tremendous amount as a journalist. And I am hopeful that he is able to land within this market because it's better for the market when he's here.
3: No doubt about that. No doubt whatsoever. Jake Query, The Morning Show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. with us on the more Automotive Group Hotline. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll check in later on this week. All right, John, we'll see it. Now, uh, Jay Quarry with us. Tommy Thrall, the voice of the Reds, going to join us coming up on the other side. ninety-three five one zero seven. Find The Fan.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play slide have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. pa participating in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The Ride with JMV.
0: I fart
4: in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
3: Evan hey, Sattery, top of the 5 o'clock hour. we got stuff to give away for you as well. Victory Field on Friday, I shall explain. And our Back Nine golf outing coming up in July is going to be a must-represent. I would love to see you there. Hey, J.M.V., I heard you talk a little bit earlier. Somebody brought up the question regarding your Saturday Night All Request music show. How many other states represent normally on a Saturday night in and Saturday night out basis? Uh, thank you, Rick. let see. Florida, Kentucky... Ohio, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Maine, had a Massachusetts call, South Dakota, normally uh, California, but I think California was here in town. So, yeah, I mean, it we do get, obviously, it's for the local folks, and it's a hell of a time. You don't get live radio like that, I mean, anytime, anywhere else, but it is. Uh, it's reaching around the country. There's no doubt about that. Don't laugh because of the way I just put that, too. Stop that. Uh, meantime, great way to make this transition on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline to the first-timer. He is the voice of the Reds, and uh, a lot to talk about right now. Tommy Thrall joins us. Hello, Tommy. How you doing?
5: Hey, I'm great, guys. Thank you so much for having me on.
3: I was trying to think back a couple of things here regarding Ella De La Cruz. I I, I can't think, and it goes past Jay Bruce with me. The last time I was incredibly excited about a Reds player, probably Eric Davis, but I compared Ella De La Cruz to to Bo Jackson, and not because of what I think he's going to be, but because how naturally, how effortlessly he does everything. To me, it's so Bo Jackson esque.
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I could understand where you'd get that from. Build wise, they're they're quite a bit different. I, you know, I honestly think as far as pure hitter goes, Ellie De La Cruz is probably a little better. Uh, Bo Jackson was was a really good power hitter, obviously, but. But never hit for a very high average. See, I think Ellie's the type of guy that can hit for average. Obviously, he runs like a gazelle, um, and he's got just unfathomable power. His arm is really strong, which again is another Bo Jackson trait. But yeah, as far as as far as top of the line prospects go, he is uh, he is spectacular. I, I, another broadcaster, I think, after two games, saw him and came in and said, "If if this guy truly puts it all together." Uh, he's got a chance to be the best player in baseball. And, and I don't think that's a stretch.
3: No, I, I would agree with you. He just, I mean, it's easy to say this. He he, he has it, but its it's like multi. I mean, everywhere yeah. you go to make somebody an elite level player, he has seemingly, at least from what we've seen so far, presented that skill set, Tommy.
5: Yeah, it's so early. I mean, right. he's only played in, in six games, so you don't want to make too much of it yet. But at the same time, it, it's it's hard not to be excited about with what you've seen. I mean, he had that stretch where he struck out six times in a row. But you know what? There's a lot of guys that go through a stretch right, like that. I mean, look at how well Matt McClain's hitting right now. He had a stretch like that. I think his was five strikeouts in a row, but, You know, five straight plate appearances. So it happens with young players. But how do they make the adjustment? Well, both of those guys have made the adjustment really well. And the thing with Ellie... You know, his first at bat, the first pitch to him, it uh, was a breaking ball down and in, kind of a back foot slider. Uh, he was facing a right-hander. He was hitting left-handed, and he chased it. And the very first pitch, you think, well, all right. So <laughs> he's going to be pretty easy to pitch to. He's going to chase. Didn't chase another one the rest of the game, and I don't know that we've seen him chase another one since. Uh, he, he just seems to be able to make adjustments so quickly. Corrections uh, so fast, uh, he can read what a pitcher is trying to do and, and and adjust on the fly. It, it's it's been it's been amazing, and uh, you you just you try to temper your expectations but it's hard to do that when you just are in awe about everything he does on the field
3: hey tommy i'm not going to temper anything because as a reds fan it's been haywire for such a long time i'm going to embrace absolutely everything and i don't care if it's six games 60 games or 600 doesn't matter to me (laughs) hey i hear
5: that too and there's a lot to be said for hey when things are going well just enjoy it you know just just make the most out of Uh, make the most out of the moment while things are going well. There's something to that for sure.
3: You mentioned Matt McClain, and we can start with him, but you can get into the other young players on this team uh, because they have been playing at a high-quality clip in in kind of the last six days or so or last week. They've kind of been a little bit left out. Uh, Certainly we should be talking more about that group because you got some up-and-comers certainly on this team right now
5: there's no doubt. I mean, Matt McLean is really, really exciting. Um, and, and he does a lot of the He does a lot of the similar things that, that Ellie does. Maybe not quite to that extent, but few do. Um, but he, he, he hits the ball hard. He can kind of use the whole field. He's a really true, pure natural hitter. It seems like he just, he, he just kind of makes it look pretty effortless out there. Um, he does have a little power in his bat. He hasn't shown it off a ton and he also runs really well. So, He's another very exciting player, and, and what we've seen out of him at shortstop, well, he's heard, well, he's he's better at second base than he is at short. He's okay at short. He's been really good at shortstop. Everything he's done at short has impressed. He's able to go to his left. He's able to go to his right. He seems to have plenty of arm. So there's a lot of things that, that, that he brings to the table that I think makes him very exciting just as uh, yeah i mean certainly not to the extent of ellie data Cruz you do but uh there's there's reason to be excited about all those guys
3: yeah it's, it's spencer steers another guy too and i know that collegially. i mean i think he was a part of what a resurrection with oregon right and yeah, their, their baseball yeah. program and now you know what better perfect situation to be a part of the resurrection in cincinnati i say go ahead Yeah,
5: and, and, you know, he's another guy. You look kind of everywhere he's been, he's hit everywhere. And um, he took to first base really well and really quickly. He's probably going to have to start playing some outfield. But, you know, there are some guys, I think, that when they hear the idea of a possible position change, they're leery of that. And they're not necessarily all that comfortable with that idea. He he pretty much volunteered to say, hey, uh, if there's a need, I'll go out and take some fly balls in the outfield, happy to do it. Uh, well, there there is a need now, and uh, the Reds threw him out there, and he seemed just fine with it. It was, it was not an issue for him at all. Uh, he took to it right away. He's looked okay out there. He hasn't got a ton of chances, but uh, I think that speaks to his character, and the Reds really kind of need him to be in the lineup somewhere. I, I don't think third base is going to be his future, mainly because you got to figure out what you're going to do with Jonathan India. Uh, Nick Senzel is going to come back here pretty soon. You're going to have to find a spot for him, and I think his – Best spot is, is third base. I think we've all seen that. Um, so I, I think Spencer's a guy that you're probably going to see slot into one of the corner outfield spots. And so far, he's looked okay out there. And and I would imagine, just like first base, the more he's out there, the better he'll get.
3: And voice of the Reds, Tommy Thrall, Reds in Kansas City coming up later on tonight. And I know that's meaningful for you. We'll dive into that in just a second. But right now, the Reds four games back, four games under 500. And I know we're still a ways away from any trade deadline conversations, but. Uh, Listen, if if McAllister can do it and bring it up on the big one, I think I can bring it up here in Indianapolis. What are we thinking? (laughs) What are we thinking right now as far as looking ahead? Where do they have to be? Where can they be? How do you think things will be addressed if they continue to at least be interesting in this central race?
5: Yeah, I, you know, sometimes it's, it's, I'm really glad I'm not the GM. I'll put it that way. I'll start there. Um, Because to me, I think you just kind of have to stick with, the plan. And and I know that with this team playing the way they are, we have to keep in mind, they're still under 500 right now. So at the very least you have to get to 500 first. Um, You get to that point, then you kind of see where you're at. What are your needs and what can you go out and do to fill those needs and fill the voids that you may have without leveraging the future? Because right now with this group, this is a pretty long window that they're entering into right now. So you don't want to do anything that will shrink the window uh, because let's say it's five years. Well, you, you could possibly uh, have a, a five-year window where you could win the World Series any of those five years, and you don't want to shrink that and go all in on, on one year. So, and, and that's not what they want to do. I, I, that much I know. They want to get to a point where they're, you know, once they reach that level of competition, they're able to compete year in and year out. And you you, got to be really selective with the moves that you make. Now, if there's moves out there to be made that allow you to get better without leveraging too much of the future, I I think you make them. Uh, But like I said, first things first, get to 500, then kind of see where you're at. But it's certainly a very, very winnable division. And the other part about it, too, guys, they're going to have the pieces internally to make this team better uh, around – the trade deadline. They're going to get a couple of pitchers back in all likelihood. Tony Santiano will help make the bullpen better. Uh, the, the, they've got some guys coming back. Casey Legamina just rejoined the bullpen as well. So there are some other pieces that, that they are still out there. Uh, TJ Anton, I didn't mention him. He's another guy they're hoping to get back uh, probably right after the all-star break or a little after. Uh, and, and those are guys that should make this bullpen a little bit better. And and we all know that's one of the weaknesses. I also think that uh, Hunter Green's been pitching better. I think what we saw Graham Ashcraft do in the two innings before he got hurt, his last start, were encouraging. But this isn't a major injury for Ashcraft. So I think he's corrected the issue. So your rotation is going to get better as well. So I, I think some of the holes that we're seeing right now are going to get filled internally.
3: And, and what we thought that they were going to be, and I say we uh, and some others, uh, I'm going to lump myself in that category, compared to what they are right now, has been drastically different. And they have been the most watchable Reds team in a while, which also says something.
5: Well, I I, I, think I know I sound like a home. jerk saying that. No, no, <laughs> I I, I, but I think you're really selling this group short by watchable. I mean, to me.
3: No, they're, uh, they're fun to watch.
5: Fun. No, they are. They. I mean, there are not many teams in baseball that I would say are as exciting to watch as this Reds team. Yes. There's others that may be winning more right now, but as far as exciting to watch, uh, this group is really, really fun. Um, they are very much worth the price of admission to come out and watch and play. Uh, and, yeah, they are exceeding expectations. They're exceeding everybody's expectations right now. But that's what teams do when they're in the process of a rebuild. You don't know when it's all going to come together and click. Um, you you kind of build in a year or two there, a buffer, as guys kind of figured out at the major league level. But the thing about it is, and I think that David Bell said it repeatedly, and I'm, I'm right there with him, the player development department deserves a lot of credit for getting guys to the big leagues that are ready for the big leagues when they get here. I mean, you, you look at guys, they get here, and they're having success right away. That doesn't happen everywhere. And uh, it, it's it's happening here, and it's happening with just about everybody they bring up to the big leagues. And it, it's, it makes this team a lot of fun to watch and Tom, very dangerous.
3: Yeah, no doubt about that. Tommy Thrall's the voice of the Reds. Reds in Kansas City, is this a homecoming for you? <laughs> a little bit.
5: Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's good to be back here. I actually walked around the ballpark a little bit ago, took pictures from a bunch of different places where I would sit when I was a kid and uh, come here and watch games. It, it is, it is fun to be home. Um, hopefully see a lot of friends and uh, family while I'm back. And I do get back quite a bit in the off season. So uh, I, I, it's not like it's the one time a year that I'll get back, but uh, it is, it is fun to be back.
3: Curious, so I um I was a longtime Reds fan. I was 5 and 75, and that's when I first started loving the Big Red Machine. I've always been a Reds fan, but George Brett in Kansas City got me interested in the late 70s. And I followed George Brett, obviously, when I was 10 years old in his quest for 400. He ended up batting 390. I followed him through his hemorrhoid saga. I know that he won three batting titles in three separate decades, which is pretty good. George Brett's one of my all-time favorites yet – George Brett has never been willing to come on this show. What gives?
5: <laughs> you know what? I don't know him from Adam, so I can't help you out there. <laughs> what I,
3: gives? Come on, five, get on I could, here.
5: I wish I could help you out there. But, uh, uh, no, he is. I mean, it's it's hard not to love. You want to talk about guys that play the game right and, no and love watching the way they play. He exemplified what it meant to play the game the right way and uh it, it's fun we've got some guys on this team this red team we were talking about earlier i think george brett would uh really like the way these guys play
3: love when he used to stick it to the yankees too it's seemingly <laughs> now, they, now they stuck it back to him and eighty three at the pine tar bad thing but no i love the way he used to uh stick that to the uh the yankees there's no doubt about that hey when you did pensacola games did you do uh tucker barnhart games Absolutely. Oh, you better yeah. believe it. Yeah. Tucker Barnhart Tucker, is a big time uh, friend of the show.
5: Ah, oh, love to hear that. Yeah, no, Tucker's a great human being and I have known him longer than just about everybody in this entire organization. So yeah, we were we go way back together.
3: Do you believe he plays for the Cubs now, though? Come on.
5: That's tough. That's tough. It was <laughs> it was awfully well I saw him in spring training. He actually came up to the press box, uh, said yeah. hi and it was it it was a little heartbreaking to see him in a Cubs uniform. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you.
3: Like the whole Tigers thing wasn't, I mean, this is different here. So it's, it it's a little different. It's so at least it's not a Cardinals uniform, which is the all-time worst. But uh, that
5: that would make it hard to speak to
3: him. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> hey man, it's good to have you on the show. We'll do it again relatively t- soon. Tell everybody over there. We talked to Chris Welsh on uh, on Friday as well. We like to have him on too. But uh, have a great call later on tonight and uh, enjoy soak this up as much as we are watching the Reds right now because as you mentioned, oh, it's exciting, fun, and uh, I think uh, Reds fans are due for that. That's great.
5: It doesn't get a whole lot better than this unless they string 10 wins together, and that will that'll take it over the top. Oh, so, you, uh, might,
3: well, you may <laughs> give me a sports arousal here. Don't do it, Tommy. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you having me on. You got it. Tommy Thrall right there, the voice of the Reds on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Kansas City. I'm assuming he's uh, – what? What? how old is he? Do you know? I'm assuming he's a y- lot younger than me. I started rattling off all that George Brett stuff. I don't know if he was uh, George Brett, Kansas City age. According to Bing, mm-hmm. it is he is 38 years old. 38. Well, he would be in there. Close. He knows of a legend. A hey, quick break and we shall return. Evan Sidery, top of the hour. We'll talk a lot of NBA. A lot of things going on with the Raptors. Is there an effect there uh, regarding the Pacers draft a week? From Thursday as well. Quick break, and we shall return. Also, tickets to give away: ninety-three-five-one-zero-seven-five. The fan.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba da ba ba ba. are participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
3: Hey, welcome back. Yeah, Tommy Thrall, the voice of the Reds with us. Yeah, I know. They're, what, four games under, four games back. I, I've got to find something to be excited about. I just do. Got to find something to be excited about, and I, I am ready to embrace winning it's been such a long time, especially around here, you folks have endured a great deal of losing, and frankly, I sit here before you incredibly tired of it, so I will probably embrace anything, Oh, well, at least what's embraceable. I think about Indiana State and the whole baseball I got on. I just jumped on that bandwagon like crazy. So if winning starts, I will embrace it because it has been such a long damn time, it seems. Yeah, I did see this. Season two of winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty premieres coming up in August. I've kind of wondered where it's been. It's weird. I got interested in... Well, I watched, uh, what's the one that I watched that I talked about I never get the title right? Oh, uh, the, la- the Last of Us. The Last of Us. The Rest of Us is, I think that's what I call it all the time. I got interested in that. I love that. I loved The White House Plumbers. I think that was only five episodes, though. The White House Plumbers with Woody Harrelson was great. But last year, back in the spring, late winter, early spring, I watched season one of Winning Time. Uh, with John C. Riley playing Dr. Jerry Buss, and I thought that was awesome. Now nah, the Larry Bird dude is, <laughs> like, the Magic Johnson guy, that's Magic Johnson, but the Larry Bird guy is just anybody you could pick out of a lineup from Legoti. Seriously, it's like, okay, let's go to Legoti and let's get five dudes, and they all look like this. <laughs> but it is a, I think it's a fantastic show, and I know that Jerry West hated the way that he was portrayed. Uh, I loved it. I kind of want to believe that that's how he was, even if he wasn't. Uh, Season two of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. That's uh, going to premiere evidently on HBO or whatever it is, HBO Max or Max or whatever. I think it's just Max now. Is it? uh, August is when that is. I don't know when Euphoria is back. Euphoria scares me, though, as a father of teenagers. I shouldn't even watch that. But I did. See, I'm telling you, sometimes I can't get into the now, to the new, to the fresh, to the not 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago stuff. Winning time is just like that. Quick break and we'll return. Evan Sidery talks of NBA with us, what the Raptors are doing. Might that affect what others do as far as the NBA offseasons concerned and a little over a week away from the NBA draft. Evan Sidery, basketball news and more. And your chance to win some tickets. That's coming up next.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: The Ride with JMV. Sis-boom-ba. sis boom <laughs> Describe the sound made when a sheep explodes. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I got
3: tickets for you. If memory serves, James brought this up during the break. I got tickets for a band that once upon a time won in the metal category a Grammy over such artists as Metallica, correct? Yes, sir. They
4: beat Metallica. It was the fourth Metallica album, and Justice for All, and... <laughs> Uh, I can't remember what what album it was for Jethro Tull, but they beat Metallica.
3: <laughs> I I cannot recollect the feeling, but I can imagine, especially the Metallica folks then. There may be a bit of a splintering sense, right? Yeah, a they... little bit. But and Justice for All, that was a serious group. I bet they're mm-hmm. not that they care if anybody wins a Grammy or not. But that's who else? Do you know who else was in the category? uh no let me look that up yeah look quick. that up what year was it too i believe was that was six i think that was 88
4: or 89 because the album came out in 88
3: okay that's just a great story right there jethro toll and the grammy goes to jethro Tull. that's beautiful <laughs> uh and you're right by the way somebody sent me this jmv can you imagine As Miles Turner did on Twitter a couple of days ago, that he sends out a tweet headed to Milan, not Milan, Indiana, by the way, Milan, for my first Fashion Week experience, suggestions and recommendations strongly welcomed. Can you imagine had he sent that out this time a year ago? I would be jumping on the defensive bandwagon, I'm sure. Yeah, now. Now everybody, and rightly so, No, oh, because I always feel so accurate about this call, and I just kind of waited because I knew, and I just feel like a big winner. Every single time now you bring up something like this, I always feel like a big winner. But I'm sure the reaction, the response would have been much different. J.M.V., just the fact that Jethro Tull was nominated in the heavy metal slash hard rock category was hilarious. And they beat out Injustice for All by Metallica. That's awesome. (laughs) We got Jethro Tull tickets coming up for you a little bit later on. You have results of that search? At yes, all? it was
4: uh, the thirty-first Grammy Awards in nineteen eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. It was best hard rock slash metal performance. Right. Um, Jethro Tull won the award for the album "Crest of a Knave," and they beat Metallica, who was expected to win with "And Justice for All." So it
3: didn't say who else was involved in the category there uh, at no. all. I, actually, of the I, bands. I forgot about that part of the see, question. See if you can find that, and we'll go back to that in a second, because that that interests me a great deal. I love it. Jethro Tull tickets available for you coming up in a bit. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, basketball news and more, Evan Suttery joins us. So, Evan, uh, you look at what Toronto's going through, and it looks like Rebuild City going on north of the border right there. Does that make things more interesting? Certainly with Van Vliet saying there's a report out. I don't know if he was saying it. There's a report out today that, that he's going to test the free agency waters, which I guess would surprise nobody. But does that make it interesting, you think, for teams that might have some interest in those current Raptors players?
6: Yeah, I think so. And I think especially the big note there was the Raptors going for a first-time inexperienced head coach who's known for player development. And Darko Rajakovich, who was the Grizzlies, was with the Suns before that, helped them get on their big rise over the last couple of years. Really hiring an inexperienced head coach, seeing it with Utah last year, we've seen it with multiple teams in the past. When you go that direction, that kind of signals to me, at least, that you're going to go the rebuild route. You have multiple players on that team, like Pascal Siakam, Pacers, about OG Ananobi, and the Pacers' interest there. Maybe you could rekindle something there on that front. He just makes so much sense for this team. And then, like you mentioned, Fred Van Vliet declined his player option today. He'll probably make a little bit more money each year than he was going to get around $23 million. I bet he gets around 25 six plus million plus or probably more than that, to be honest. But a lot of teams like the Suns, the Clippers, will probably be very interested in Van Vliet, so he'll get a lot of attention here pretty soon.
3: If that's a price tag for Ananobi, and there probably was at the trade deadline this past year as we know regarding the Pacers seemingly I think there were some reports out there I don't know how concrete people got but there was seemingly some interest from the Pacers there what might that price tag be this off season, in your
6: estimation yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think Zach Lowe said it way back in February that the Pacers offered their seventh pick, what turned to be the seventh pick in the draft, their lottery pick, and their two extra first-round picks, the Cavs and the Celtics picks for the Raptors, two, for OG Ananobi. The Raptors said no. Looking back on it now, I think Toronto probably should have been all over that deal just based off value because – I don't see Ananobi getting that kind of haul again if the, if the Raptors were to rekindle it, because now Ananobi is on really the last year of his contract as a player option that he will decline. If he only makes $18 million a year. He'll get way more once he becomes a free agent a year from now. I think Ananobi is a guy to me where you have to sell him now to stay long-term. I think Indiana is one of those places where he's familiar with. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton is a great fit with him too. I, I think Indiana could be one of those teams that makes sense for him, but I think the price maybe instead of all those picks – Maybe it's a couple of young guys. Maybe it's maybe it's a couple of your late first round picks or a future pick instead of number seven overall pick because, if, for example, John, let's just say they get OGN and Obi, and they also drafted Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks at, at the seventh overall pick. You've kind of solved your wing issues overnight there. I think something like that makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, I would agree. Do you think it's more that or more? Because my fear is this, and I know a lot of people are on board with it. I'm just not. My fear is they're going to continue to trade the first-round assets they have accumulated to this point into and transition into first-round assets in future drafts. And I would rather them parlay something in the now and get going than I would to continuously wait. Is that the right thought? Or do you think that maybe going for it a little bit more right now would pay off both in the present and then in the future?
6: Uh, Not to give a cop-out answer, but I kind of feel like the Pacers are in a good situation here where they can kind of do both, where where they can play the game of – what deal makes best sense for them where if they want to go more aggressive they have a team already in place that we saw last year when Tyrese Halliburton's healthy when Turner is healthy this is actually a really good team they're a 45 one pace team last season with those two on the court together you add in Mathurin and expect to jump next year whatever else you do this offseason I don't know if they can add in five more rookies and Kevin Pritchard said that before at his MSU press conference that they won't bring in five rookies so they're not going to use all those draft picks so I I think they'll be very aggressive. Maybe consolidate some of those picks, move up and around in the draft. Maybe use them more so with how the new CBA is. With a lot of teams to be cash strapped a little bit, the standard at the second apron. The Pacers are one of the few teams, I believe, seven or eight teams, that actually have flexibility moving forward here, where they can kind of get some veterans in place and kind of maybe trade some of those late first round picks for some cheaper veterans that you can really bring in, help set the culture up a little bit more, get some win now piece to expedite this process forward because. I think we've already seen how special a talent Tyrese Halliburton is. And I think if you add in more veterans around this team next season, if you hit on this draft pick as well, I think this Pacers team's actually in a really good spot here where they're going to a significant and make them jump next year.
3: Evan Sidery is with us. Do you buy in with some of the chatter that the Pacers have interest in trying to get up there to draft Brandon Miller?
6: I could definitely see it because I think one way to consolidate those assets I just talked about, those five picks, I and mean, then they own all their future picks as well, is to go up and try to be aggressive and get a Brandon Miller from Alabama. I know the off-the-court off the concern with what happened off the court there, I, I, reportedly it sounds like he's passing a lot of flyers internally with a lot of teams there, so it's not as much of a concern. On the court, though, stylistically with Halliburton, he's a great fit. I mean, six foot nine, can handle the ball, 40% three-point shooter, can hit it all over the court offensively, a good defender too he's a guy to me that you can kind of risk those assets for and put him an next to Benedict Mather and Tyrese Hallibur and have your young big three there. But I just have a hard time seeing how Charlotte or Portland, for example, at two or three are willing to trade off that because it feels like in this draft class, outside of Victor Wembanyama number one, those two players in Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson make up that second tier, and I think it'd take an awful lot, probably more than the pace are comfortable with, to go up and get a guy like Brandon Miller, two or three.
3: For example here, let's just say both, Evan, are available on the Pacers' roll at number 7 a week from Thursday. Are you on the Walker or the Hendricks side of things, if we're talking about those two players here?
6: Yeah, I've been waffling back and forth on this because both players actually just make so much sense, and it really all depends on just how they want to play. Because Juris Walker, to me, I went really deep dive on both those guys, actually, this past weekend and watched a lot of their games. Taylor Hendricks to me is your prototypical stretch four. You can switch multiple positions. He's a 40% three point shooter, too. He's about 210 pounds. He's pretty slight, but he has the length and athleticism up for it. I think he's a great fit, especially next to Miles Turner. If you want to have Miles Turner dominate against those centers, those slow footed centers, like he did last year, Taylor Hendricks and his spacing from his three point shot really helps out with that. Also, he has a great fit with Tyrese Halliburton offensively as a four-spacer and an underrated defender, too. He actually had a better block percentage than Jarris Walker this past year. And he's two months younger than Jarris Walker as well. So the upside is certainly there with Taylor Hendricks. And Jarris Walker, real quick on him, for those who aren't familiar – Six foot six, two 240 pounds on the smaller side, really good passer. But his, his main calling card here, as is Taylor Hendricks, but really with Jarvis Walker, he has all-NBA defense type of upside. He, he's consistently shown at Houston this past year. He was their best defender. He could switch potentially all five positions, too, if you want him to. That jump shot is a question, in my opinion, for a Pacers team that values the shooting. I would probably lean towards Taylor Hendricks, but I don't know if Jairus Walker will be there at seven. So it might be a scenario to me where Jairus Walker goes at five or six and they take Taylor Hendricks anyways. But as far as stylistically what fits best next to Tyrese Halliburton, which I think is a question they should be asking for every move they make, I might go Taylor Hendricks there just because he gives you the Walker-type defense, but the shooting is not a question, unlike it is a Jairus Walker.
3: So do you think that more of the priority should be, you know, in the description of finding, you know, another shooter – um, like you talked about, or should it be finding somebody that is higher quality, higher caliber defensively for a team that lacks so incredibly on that side of the ball?
6: Yeah, I think with what Rick Carlisle said, what Kevin Percher has said over the last couple of months and really emphasizing their attitude in press conferences, how important defense is. And defense is going to be a part of every decision they make. Honestly, I'd probably say they might lean more towards Jairus Walker because he's more of a sure thing on the defensive side. He has the upside. Taylor Hendricks certainly does too as well. But I think if you want to go mainly on the defense first idea, Jairus Walker definitely makes a lot of sense there. He can really guard. Him and Miles Turner would make a terrifying duo to score on in a couple of years. I mean, maybe even next season because Jairus Walker, he's built into the point at 240 pounds at his size, the seven foot three wingspan, where he can really be one of those plug and play players for a young guy. And that's not something you say often in the NBA, where some guys have a tough transition period. Jairus Walker is a guy to me where if you draft him at seven, he starts day one at power forward, and you go from there. I think the, him and Miles Turner, especially if you're one to build out a team around a round Tyrese Halliburton, who's not a great defender, having those two behind him is a fantastic start to go alongside rebuilding that defense. So I'd probably lean, if you're going defense, mantra on this. I, w- I would certainly lean Derek Walker there. Do
3: you think the Pacers have a spot for Trace Jackson Davis on this roster?
6: Surprisingly, I, I think they do. I-, I think it's based off the question of I- – I think it's – I wouldn't say it's a sure thing, but I think it's very likely just with the roster crunch they have, with all the young players they have, I think it's a likely chance that one of Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson is traded this offseason because it just it's, it seems like one of them is always out of the rotation, and, and either of those guys at the, this point in their careers are young enough where they deserve a full-time chance somewhere if it's not going to be in Indiana. So I, I think if they do, let's say hypothetically, move an Isaiah Jackson and an OG and an OB deal, for example, with Buddy Heald or something like that, just hypothetically speaking there, you can probably throw in a Trace jackson Davis at a 32nd pick or the 29th pick and have be that third center or your backup center So I think Trace Jackson Davis actually does make a lot of sense with this Pacers team how they're constructing because you can run him with Tyrese Halliburton and pick and roll. He's a good defender. The main question with Trace, as we all know, was a jump shot. And throughout pre-draft workouts at the Combine, he showed a legit jump shot. His defense, even for his size, and it can hold up in the NBA level there. So I've kind of warmed up to the idea more of Trace being a good NBA player. I don't know if he's going to be a 30-plus-minute player, but in like a 15, 20-minute-per-game roll off the bench, I, that's a guy I could play in the playoffs, in my opinion, five years from now. It's,
3: uh, Evan Sidery, Basketball News and more. is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Where does uh, Jalen hood shafino slide in in this first round?
6: Yeah, it, he's been the big riser from everything I've been reading about. Uh, ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni in his recent mock draft had – Actually, Shafino going number nine overall to the Utah Jazz. Just a huge rise for Shafino so far. I saw him play in person actually uh, last year before he joined Indiana at this tournament in Arizona. He did not look great to me. He did not honestly look good in that game. But his development over the last year or so has really showed, I think, myself but also NBA teams for sure that you can, you can bet on this guy. He has the work ethic. He has the intangibles. He has the measurables. Six foot six with a seven foot wingspan. He can guard multiple guys. He's a good shooter, developing defender as well. I think Hood Chafino is probably one of those guys that you you know can fit into a role in the NBA. He'll probably be a guy that can last seven to eight, nine, ten years in the NBA as a backup point guard or a combo guard somewhere. I think he definitely makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams here to value that length and that shooting. And Hood Chafino and his development curve. That's something you should bet on if you're a team in the lottery. Uh, is he not worked out here yet. I don't think has he. No, he hasn't, to be honest. I don't think he'd be a great fit here, especially at that seventh pick. But let's say if you were if you were to somehow slip into yeah. the mid-late teens, maybe you could kind of trade up there. But Huchifino is a guy, to be honest. it's probably more of a point guard than he is a combo guard. I think probably him running his own show somewhere makes the most sense for him.
3: I, there's somebody else I wanted to ask about too, and I forgot. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask about the Thompson twins. Um, like the availability of one or the other is, is likely at number seven. I think the Pacers would show any interest in either.
6: I think there's a legitimate chance that a Sar Thompson, not Amen Thompson, who's probably going to go either to. Houston at four, probably if he's there, Detroit at five. I have a hard time seeing him making it to seven. But his twin brother, Asar, is more of a wing. Amen's more of a point guard. I think he does make sense here. He has a better jump shot. He's a good defender. He has the length and athleticism. One of the most athletic prospects in this year's draft are the Thompson Twins. Just freak athletes that can guard multiple positions probably all throughout the wing there and some point guards if they want to. Asar Thompson, to me, the question with him and also his brother is the jump shot. And that's the scary part about this. If he's, if he's a non-shooter and just an okay defender, can you survive? And especially, is that worth a seventh overall pick in this year's draft? Star Thompson, he does have star upside, as does his brother. I think it's kind of the swing you would take in this draft if you want to go for a star type of player. But the risk is certainly there. I mean, the overtime elite, they definitely showcased their athleticism there, but they weren't able to not exactly dominate their competition in a lower level league like that. So that's a little concerning if I was not in, in their position. But if you want to swing for the fences and potentially your last pick in this type of position in a lottery for a long time coming for the Pacers, the Thompson twins honestly do make the most sense for a lottery ticket if you want to swing, but the risk is certainly, certainly very high.
3: You mentioned Hood Shafino on the rise, according to many that cover this draft, almost uh almost a week away, a little over a week away at this point right now for that. Who else has been on the rise? And on the other hand, you can answer this as well, Evan, before we move on. Who's been on a bit of a slide to this point?
6: I think one riser that Pacers fans are going to be familiar with is Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, who was in for a workout about 10 or so days ago at this point to Indiana. He said he had a workout with the Jazz at coming as well. But it sounds like from Jonathan Gavoni and other insiders who cover the draft around the NBA that very, very little chance that he'll be on the board there at seven. It sounds like Detroit at five is probably his floor. Houston at four is probably his top spot there. One of those two spots will probably be Cam Whitmore. So I would definitely say he's probably out of the Pacers' range now than maybe he was a couple of weeks ago. I have a very hard time seeing him at that selection there. And then you look at maybe potentially some slippage as far as prospects down the board. There's really not much as far as guys that are sliding because a lot, we know how it works this time of year, John, where agents are talking it up. There's not really many guys sliding down the board, so to say. But if I were to pick maybe one guy, I would go in the direction of G.G. Jackson, who is an 18-year-old prospect out of South Carolina. He reclassified this past year. He was going to be in next year's draft. So he's one of the youngest players in this year's draft. Was originally thought to be a lottery pick about a month or so ago, but now he's more in that late first-round range. So that could be right in the wheelhouse of the Pacers at the 26-29 range. Very high upside player, youngest player in this year's draft. Developing jump shot. So there's questions there, but the athleticism and defense are certainly off the charts for him.
3: So, Evan Sidery of Basketball News, I do want to move on a little bit, too. And uh, besides the whole Raptors situation, that is still is unclear, but we're kind of anticipating some massive movement w- with their team and some guys' availability out there. What other names, what other availability that maybe we wouldn't thought too much about this past year, this offseason, could be there in, in names of interest, in your opinion?
6: Yeah, I think if you want to go toward the star-level players, I think could be on the move. I would look, actually, surprisingly, probably towards Washington. It it just kind of feels like a new GM in there that's going to blow things up in Washington, and that's going to be revolving around Bradley Beal, Chris Porzingis, who's an upcoming free agent. I doubt he probably stays for long-term money, same for Kyle Kuzma. It kind of feels like there's pulling the plug there in Washington. Bradley Beal has a no-trade clause that can control his next destination. But I feel like it feels like it's in the best interest of all sides there for the Wizards to finally rebuild that situation, get off that Bradley Beal contract, let poor Zinga he choose walk, and kind of tank the next couple of years and hope for some long-term success that they really haven't had in almost a decade now. So I would probably point toward the Wizards there for a team to look out for rebuilding. And then maybe Minnesota, with that horrible experiment that has gone wrong, them with Rudy Gobert and Anthony Towns, maybe give it one more run with those guys. But if not, I think Anthony Towns could probably fetch him a significant amount of draft capital on the trade market if he were to get traded. I don't know if he certainly would make sense here in Indiana, for example, with Miles Turner. But maybe elsewhere, like a team like Houston or Brooklyn, with all these draft picks, I think mean, they could make sense for a guy. Anthony like Towns if the Timberwolves do ever decide to trade him. But outside of that, the the usual suspects, I would say, OGN and OB in Toronto, Pascal Siakam in Toronto, the two guys to watch, and then Damian Lillard in Portland. Let's say the Blazers keep that pick. They take Scoot Henderson at three, for example. He doesn't make any sense next to Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard at that point will be wondering what in the world's going on because he wants to win. So I I think Lillard, if they do keep that pick and they draft someone, I would not be surprised if they requested a trade there. So I think this offseason with the new CBA going into effect, that's going to be kind of hard capping these teams for the first time in a long time. I actually see a lot of star movement. It wouldn't surprise me if multiple stars are on the move.
3: Now you cover uh, it has in the past. Certainly, the Suns at great length. What, what do you think they end up doing with DeAndre Ayton? We're uh, trying a to point. do, I guess. Trying to do and then doing are two different ways. So,
6: yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point you bring up there because DeAndre Ayton, I have a hard time seeing any team, or maybe there's going to be some sucker team out there that will bite on his contract at thirty three million dollars, but. Man, the further you get away from it, John, the further I think Kevin Pritchard and that Pacers front office is thinking they're lucky stars of the Sun to match that contract because the way he played last year, he was unmotivated. He just looked like he got his paycheck and he was just going about his business. Did not do well in the big spotlight with Kevin Durant when he got on board there. Just really seemed like he wasn't 100%. His teammates just sour on him. Uh, this coach sour on him and Monty Williams. It just kind of feels like he's a distressed asset at this point. And it's going to be pennies on the dollar for the Suns. Maybe get some a couple depth pieces. Viva DeAndre Ayton, trade to help out their salary cap situation. Now with three max players with him, Durant, uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, if he stays there. So it kind of feels like the most logical thing for them to do is trading DeAndre Ayton. But, man, looking back on it, maybe he works out differently in Indiana with Tyrese Halliburton, but, that that contract that they that the Pacers gave out there and made the Suns aggressively match right away. I mean that was a shrewd move on the Pacers' part, but I think they're they're very lucky. And looking back on it now, they they decide to match up. Oh, they wanted it. They
3: they want they didn't just do that to see what they could get Phoenix to move on. I mean they they wanted it and then uh, were proven uh, wrong and incredibly fortunate by 33 this past season. So. That's good. That's good fortune for them, I guess. Too. Hey, We're the Grizzlies right now. The Grizzlies have they hit that high water mark with this group? Will they now slide, or if they can get some heads together and and more about the product on the floor than you know a lot of this this jackassery that they've gone through over the past season here? Or are they still on the rise?
6: Yeah, it's such a tough question with the whole John Morant situation now, how long he's going to be suspended for. It seems like a, a formality he will be suspended. The question now is how long it's going to be. I'd probably guess it's at least 25 to 30 games, if not more than that. So maybe even a third or half the season, John Morant's probably going to be out for next year. And that certainly changes the calculus for him. That, I, the Dylan Brooks, as we all know, the Grizzlies don't want him back next year. I have a hard time seeing him returning in that scenario. So they're going to be replacing some guys that are a lot of their offense production with John Moran being suspended. And maybe they're a team to watch out for, because we know they, they attempted to trade for Mikael Bridges with the Brooklyn Nets. They, they offered, I believe, four first-round picks for Mikael Bridges. Maybe they're a team to watch out for, for like an OG and an or something like that, a team that needs a wing like Memphis does. But this could be a reset year for them, uh, kind of taking this John Morant suspension. I, I doubt they're in a team next year. But they'll still be a team that's probably in that six- to eight-seed range in the Western Conference. They have Desmond Bain. They have Jaron Jackson Jr. They have a good depth of talent there. I think they'll take a, sl- a step back or two, but I think with, when John Moran eventually does return next season, they'll be a team to watch out for when we get closer to the playoffs.
3: Hey, I've asked about this before, too, but I, I think Oklahoma City still has uh, a high number of, of assets, and really they have a roster that is chock full of of young have produced here and there, and then in terms of Chet Holmgren hasn't seen yet, type of talent how big of an offseason player will they be and may that ultimately determine you know some factors that go down this off about just how active they may be
6: yeah the thunder are actually a really interesting team and like like you mentioned chet holmgren now his pseudo rookie season will be next year but we all know his talent that he showed at gonzaga Shea gillis out there taking a leap to an mvp type of player a top 15 player in the nba well, son, I didn't expect to happen, but he's certainly proved it this past year. And then Josh Giddey, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the NBA with his playmaking ability. He's a good scorer as well. He's going to develop, continue to develop his jump shot as well. So they have a fun young core there in Oklahoma City. They're a team to me that they have so many future draft picks. I think they have like still 12 first-round picks yeah. in the like next seven seven years where they already have all their young talent. And if your team, for example, like Indiana, if you want to try to trade up in this year's draft, maybe, maybe a team of like Oklahoma City who has all their young core in place, who's trying to consolidate future picks, to toll them further down the road because they don't want to keep adding young talent this year. Maybe that's a team you could watch out for on draft night, just hypothetically speaking, where you could offer a couple young guys or a couple picks and maybe try to get up into that late late lottery to go with your number 7 overall pick. Teams like that, where Oklahoma City is further developing their team, maybe they push in some of their chips for other veterans this upcoming season. That could be a team to watch out for on draft night. that kind of makes an aggressive move that we don't expect.
3: All right, one final thing here, too, about three teams in the East. Um, The Sixers, the Cavaliers, and the Knicks all had, you know, outstanding regular seasons. Um, All but the Cavaliers probably extended their stay in the postseason, but still the Sixers came up looking disappointed, got rid of their coach. I'm curious your thoughts on those three, and in particular the Cavaliers, Have they hit the high water mark on this? Was that a bump in the road? What was that postseason that was incredibly disappointing for them?
6: Yeah, for Cleveland, we can start there. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he had an incredible year last year. But I think this is more of a long-term bet. You add Donovan Mitchell, a star player, into that mix. But you let the two main young core players. Jared Allen's a good big man for sure. But Evan Mobley, who's a very, very high upside prospect, who could really take a huge leap next year. And then Darius Garland, same thing. He's a 20-10 type of point guard in the NBA elite shooter, elite passer, Evan Mobley's view as one of the best young prospects in the NBA. So if those two guys take jumps next year, we already seen Garland be an all-star, but if he could become an all-NBA type of player. If you see Evan Mobley take a leap to an all-NBA, all-star level type player to go along with Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen, I think that's their biggest bet there, betting on those two young guys to take further steps this upcoming season because Donovan Mitchell 30 plus point per game score but that timeline for them donovan mitchell only has two years up on his contract he's gonna to have to climb that player option probably down the road a couple of years from now and be a free agent so the time's kind of already ticking. where this upcoming year for them they have to hope that garland and mobley take big steps forward here or that noise will get louder and louder about donovan mitchell in his future but looking at new york as well i mean jalen brunson an incredible year last year they're probably a team that will take a step back this upcoming season just based off of I don't know if I trust some of their young core pieces, like an R.J. Berry. He hasn't consistently shown me enough this year. Julius Randle, I still have questions about long-term as well. So I don't know much about the Knicks on that front outside of, I'd say, uh, Brunton had a great year. But overall, I'm kind of iffy about their core moving forward there. And then in the Eastern Conference, too, I mean, you see the whole hierarchy around the East. It's kind of a wide-open race, but the two main teams up top there in Boston and Milwaukee will probably stay the same.
3: It's weird, too, because two of the three there made coaching changes and there was an argument to be made that the third of the three should have made a coaching change. So that's incredibly interesting at top the, the East, considering who now was probably repping in the final game of the NBA season later on tonight, the Heat being that 8 seed, But man, at the top, there are significant changes and really coaching wise, a lot of people were calling for another one.
6: Oh yeah, I mean, when you look at it, look across the board there in the Eastern Conference, Doc Rivers getting let go, Mike Budenholz are getting let go. You see the coaching market nowadays, John. If you if you're a team that publicly says we're competing for a yeah. championship, that coach has maybe two years. You right. have maybe two years. To win a, a title, or you're let go, which is crazy nowadays. You don't really have any opportunity to develop players. You don't really have the opportunity to build up your system in that culture. The pressure is with these owners nowadays. These billion-dollar companies that are NBA teams. The pressure is there. If you say you're ready to win, you better win, or your, your seat's going to get extremely hot. And that's a crazy thing about nowadays in the NBA.
3: Evan Sidery, basketball news, and then some with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, a little over a week away from the NBA draft. Evan, I appreciate you more than you know. We'll do it again soon, I'm sure, leading up to the draft.
6: Absolutely, giant time. Appreciate it.
3: Evan Sidery right there. The draft, the off season, some teams of interest that may be – playing a role as far as what the Pacers may end up doing, what they decide. One of those being the Raptors. Podcast with Evan right there, 107.5thefan.com. Quick break, we'll come back. I've got tickets to give away. The 1989 Grammy Award winning Jethro Tull in the category of metal and hard rock. Got tickets to give away there coming up. Who are the others? Uh, So, who did they
4: beat out? They beat out Jane's Addiction, Iggy Pop, and ACDC as well. <laughs> that might be the greatest of all time. That's the one yeah. and only time they ever gave that award out because after that they split hard rock hard, and metal yeah. into different categories because everyone got so mad.
3: Hard rock, metal category in 1989, Jethro Tull beat Metallica, ACDC, Jane's Addiction, and Iggy Pop, and Iggy Pop. That's gorgeous right there. We got tickets for you to win before the top of the hour here, too. ninety
0: three five one oh seven find the fan The ride with- Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Pa-da-pa-pa-pa. Participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: JMV. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 935 and 1075, the fan.
3: Oh, Jethro Tull, the greatness right here. The 1989 Grammy Award winner for metal and hard rock category will be in Indianapolis coming up at the TCU Amphitheater. That's August the 19th. Anybody out there want to see some Jethro Tull? Number nine at 239-1070 will go on us. Jethro Tull, TCU Amphitheater. White River State Park, which, by the way, is just an incredible venue. And run by... My good friend out there, Jimi Hendrix, well done. Jimi Hendrix got uh, expanded responsibility in the old concert game, not only here, but also out of state. Jethro Tull, August the 19th, and number 9, 239-1070, will go on us. Appreciate that. JMV at 1075TheFan.com is the email address. It's from RC. JMV, have you noticed that the Indy Star digital platform almost all the writer names have disappeared from the storyline? Just curious if anyone knows what's going on. Uh they are protesting and they are keeping their, their names off the byline right now. That is what they are doing at the Indie Star. That's why you see it that way. I have not had anybody on to talk at length or specifically about it, but that is why you do not see it. Thank you, RC, for that. Uh, This is from Shane. So on the music front here, I go see Billy Strings' show Saturday. Where was that? Billy Strings. Didn't realize it was a Grateful Dead slash Fish show, but it was a good time. Man, that dude can bend some strings. Billy Strings was Billy Strings on at the same time as Zubilation somebody asked me a little bit earlier if I was digging on Zubilation I went one time and uh, um, with all due respect and this is not a backhanded compliment once was enough once was enough Zubilation I think that was on Friday. I missed. I didn't miss Italian Fest. Were you guys not telling me about Italian Fest now? On Friday and Saturday. Love Italian Fest. Yeah, Zubilation The one time I went, it was about 95 degrees, and I was in a tuxedo, and I was hot. <laughs> it was really hot, and I was hungry, and they give me, "Hey, here's some food," and it comes in a thimble. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. Can I get more than this thimble full of food, please? You guys got any steak around here? Here's your thimble. They all look good, but I mean, can you give me more? You got anything in a casserole dish behind that thimble? (laughs) Anything else? But uh, it was a good time. Actually, it wasn't. It was not a good time. I take that back. (laughs) I was i was glad my wife had said hey can we go and i said yes but once was enough for me and there's zero against it uh you guys know me well enough that's just probably not me right probably not me but i love the zoo But once, indeed, was enough right there. Uh, JMV, in all the fervor to talk about De La Cruz, people commonly pass over Matt McLean, who is a legit Rookie of the Year candidate. Tommy Thrall, the voice of the Reds, was on a little bit earlier and mentioned that very thing. Tommy Thrall podcast, 107.5thefan.com. He was really good. First timer on this show. Uh, Billy Strings apparently performed at the TCU Lawn Amphitheater downtown on Saturday. Friday, this weekend, we'll say. I don't even know what they do. What kind of strings are we talking about? You know who Billy, Billy strings? strings is? Oh yeah, he's
4: great. He's a uh, guitarist and like bluegrass musician. Oh wow, he's really, really I good. I like bluegrass. He's really good. Like how like how bluegrassy is it? Like I mean, it's pretty. I mean, he's got like a upright bass player, and he's got like a guy who does, I guess, the fiddle or something like that. I mean, it's pretty bluegrass, but it's um, it's kind of like it's almost actually kind of inspired, I guess, by like metal and stuff like that because I know he likes metal. So if you've ever have you ever heard of Iron Horse or anything like oh, that? Oh, of course not, huh? Uh, Should it's, I? It's a bluegrass band that covers Metallica. And ah, he, his, okay. His music kind of reminds me of their music.
3: Is it? Is it like to play? Turn this up. Is it like this?
4: Yeah, I mean, cause, uh, technically, I guess yes, because there is a banjo and stuff. But it, I think his stuff is better than this.
3: What? 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 Better than the Dillards, you say?
4: I would say, yeah. It's a little bit it's a little bit darker, I would think.
3: <laughs> Della still. I do know this bluegrass. This is the Dillards from the Andrew Griffith show. I have no. The Darlings. what me you sing it for? Him? Go right ahead. Dooley. 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 This is what I think about. This is not Billy Strings though. This this is not. I mean, All right, that's cool. Again, he's very good. I think you would like him though. This is not Billy Strings. That's the uh, greatness that is the Dillard's right there in Dooley. <laughs> so he does covers with all that? I don't think he does covers. It's just it, his
4: huh? music just kind of in, it reminds me of a bluegrass band that covers Metallica Man, in terms had, of how he writes his songs. I had no idea. A good song is uh, Through the Turmoil and the Tinfoil. That's a good one you should listen to. Through the Turmoil and the Tinfoil. Yes, sir.
3: See, I think there's some ways in which I am I am growing. I am living in the today and then some ways I just played you a song from 1962. It's weird. Weird that dynamic that goes on here.
4: Jeff Dickerson in the chat says that Billy covered the Dillards. Oh, did Jeff
3: Dickerson. Well done, Jeff. I love the Dillards. The darlings in Andy Griffith. Love the darlings. <laughs> I think Charlene Darling. Charlene just passed away maybe a year ago, year and a half or so ago. Not too many from that show remaining. I think actually, uh, Opie and and Leon, who were brothers Ron Howard and Clint Howard. Now obviously there are probably some some kids that were Ron Howard's age on the show that are still still with us, but uh, uh, from the original, from the black and white episodes, yeah, not not too many. Not too many whatsoever. Now, who's going to go see Jethro Tull on us? Uh, Joel Allison will be seeing him. Oh, Shout out to Joel right there, too. JMV, you didn't want to go ever again to Zubilation because you couldn't wear basketball shorts, right? There's no doubt. But see, I mean, I see all these pictures of everybody going, and they all have shorts on. I'm sorry to, to me, and I'm not a fashionista. I'm not going... To fashion week in milan like miles or anything like that i basically wear the same clothes um all the time but i'm the shorts and the suspenders like the the dress shorts that look like cut off dress pants that look is so stupid am i the only one that thinks that look is stupid that looks so stupid now I'd be one like basketball shorts I'd be down with but or cargo shorts I'd be down with but the dress pants and the shorts and suspenders and a suit and tie eh you can do that JMV you mentioned a little bit earlier regarding Bo Jackson 34 years ago today the cover of Sports Illustrated did feature Bo Jackson nobody hits him like Bo and I think that Tommy Thrall I think he got a little bit confused about why i offered up a comparison to ellie de la cruz and bo jackson it wasn't because of you know how they're going to perform well i guess it kind of is but it is in comparison of how effortlessly the game has looked through a week for de la cruz reminds me of how effortless bo jackson played at such a high level. This is I mean, effortless is you can play effortless and be one of, you know, a middling player. I mean, a lot of people can look effortless, but to to look effortless and play at an elite level, that's what came to mind with me. And Tommy Thrall mentioned, well, you know, De La Cruz, he believes, can hit for a higher average than Bo. And I I don't care about any of that. But as far as doing everything at an elite level in baseball, to me, that was the reminder. And I think that's what people believe that he can be, he can do. He being De La Cruz. So that was it. This is from Michael Gigi. I'm right there with you. I've worn sweats to Saint Elmo more than a few times. <laughs> yeah, man, I was in—I was in a tuxedo, and it was like 95. It was hot. Yeah, one time, one time was good for me. But you guys didn't tell me about Italian Fest. It was last weekend. Hey, by the way, too, later on this month, our next tavern tour stop is going to be at IREA's. This is going to be a first-timer at IREA's. I cannot wait for that. That is going to be excellent. And shout-out to Brent Halverson, who put that bad boy together right there. But that is our next Tavern Tour stop is going to be at IREA's. Normally, I do. Normally, I squeeze a little bit by Italian Fest and have a little bit of fun, and uh, I completely whiffed on it this time, I guess, huh? Uh, That part is too bad. Hey, by the way, too, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Jake and I talked about it. The fan, the fan golf outing at Back Nine. That is Tuesday, July the 11th. Back Nine Golf and Entertainment. And a shout out to Danny Hayes. Great dude. Ron Collie guy, by the way. That is to benefit the American Heart Association, presented by Franciscan Health Heart Center, July the 11th. And I want you to get signed up now. Get your foursome signed up. Get you and three of your friends, and let's play. You get three hours to play, lunch, fan stuff, and a special gift to commemorate your participation to the event. Oh, yeah, of course we're going to drink, and no doubt serving at the beverages, and it is going to be a great time. For all your ticket information, 1075thefan.com. And I'm going to host a live auction benefit, which is going to be awesome. So I want everybody out there. I believe this is on a Tuesday, right? Tuesday, July the 11th. Got nothing going on, right? So join us for a great cause and a great time with everybody out there from the fan hanging out. It is the Fan Golf Outing, Tuesday, July the 11th. Back nine, golf and entertainment, which you can see right over there from I-70. I know a lot of you that drive at least going eastbound on I-70 can sit there and stare at it for a long time because with what's going on construction-wise, uh, there's no place for you to go. You can just kind of sit there. But you can join us. Again, get your foursome together today and get your tickets. Information and more about the tickets right now, 107.5thefan.com. We'll recap the day and close out what has been a fun Monday with you. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. Just no, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5
3: and 107.5, The Fan. Ah, This is Billy Strings right here. Everybody enjoyed, evidently, this past weekend. Well done out of everybody there. Well done. Billy Strings. State finals of baseball coming up the 16th and the 17th. On Friday the 16th, I'm going to be out of victory field with you. You've got Ileana Christian. I don't know if I've ever heard of them. That's somewhere along the line of Illinois and Indiana. Ileana Christian at 24-9 and, and Covenant Christian. I know them here locally, 16-15. and 15. The 3A title game is Andrean and Silver Creek of Southern Indiana. And on Saturday the 17th, the Class A is lafayette Central Catholic and Bar Reeve up in there representing Montgomery County. Now check that Montgomery, Indiana, Martin County uh, representing Montgomery, Indiana and Martin County, Bar Reeve at 29 and three. And look at this Penn and Center Grove, the Trojans of Center Grove at 29 and three and Penn trying to make it a double dip. The girls won the softball title over Ron Colley in Lafayette this past Saturday. And uh, the baseball fellas going at it at 26-8 and eight versus Center Grove. Again, that's coming up on Saturday, June the 17th at 8 o'clock. Again, I'm going to be down at Victory Field on Friday. I'll look for everybody down there. Yes, Covenant Christian folks will be there, right? Eliana Christian and Covenant Christian. 5.30 and Duran Silver Creek at 8. I will be there. Victory Field coming up on Friday. I'd love to see everybody down there as well. A fantastic day. Thank you very much for joining us. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you guys, as always awesome. James has three new tattoos for over 1000 bucks. Jake Query, Tommy Thrall the voice of the Reds, Evan Sidery, NBA drafts and NBA offseason conversation from Basketball News. Podcast 107 thefancom Right back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Don't miss a minute. 93 5
0: The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.